welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. And I'm Jesse, and we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some pretty dark energy. Brooding. Mm, mm, foreboding, even. <laughs> it's and, some good nighttime energy, actually. Oh, night, nighttime. Nighttime. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are here talking this week uh, in our follow-up to Batman Begins from last week. We're talking about The Dark Knight. It's a second in the Dark Knight trilogy. I mean, everyone knows it. This is one of the biggest movies of all time. Wait, what? What is this movie? The Dark Knight. <laughs> the Dark Knight. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, but to help us talk about this one, which is like such a staple of our lives growing up, and I'm sure many people's, uh, we have brought on our old friend Letney. Letney, how are you tonight? Doing good. Cool. Cool. Um, H- happy you're here, uh, even if you sound uh, not so happy. No, your energy, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're bringing the dark energy. I'm not sure about Lenny tonight. Lenny's got more of a stately nobility. He, to his he's energy. just brooding. He has no energy, just brooding. Thank you for having me on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> that would be good. That would be weird in a podcast. I really appreciate you uh, getting the dress code. Um, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt, for example. I'm wearing nothing. <laughs> Wait, does he say hockey pants or hockey masks? Hockey pads. 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 Oh, pads. Yeah. Did you think? What Whoa. did you think? You thought it was masks? I always thought he said masks or what? I don't know. I don't know anything about hockey. It sounds like he's saying masks. I was like, is that <laughs> what do you think they mask? wear in oh, hockey? whatever. <laughs> um, but we're talking about The Dark Knight today. This was like, like, we're having a little bit of a hard time getting to it because this movie is so big and has loomed so large over all of our lives. Uh, but we are really excited to get into it. Um, but before we do, we're going to uh, bring in the this kind of new segment that we started just with the last pod. Um, what are our kids watching? What's our family watching? Um, and I have to say, let, let's start with you, Jesse, as originator of this. What, what's your family watching? Mm. All right. Well, the kids are watching uh, Star Wars Rebels, the TV show. Mm. Um, they keep on wanting to watch Star Wars still, and I am tired of them watching movies. Plus, you know, they've seen that a number of times, and they usually get bored in the middle. So I was like, you know, let's shift over to, to Star Wars as a TV show, as a as a con as a twenty minute concept. That sounds much more up my alley. That way, I could be like, all right, twenty minutes or forty minutes versus like two and a half hours of their time, right? I get to control that a little bit more. And uh, so we tried it out, and they've really been enjoying it. Um, I don't think they've ever watched a show that had like a sequential story all the way through. Ah. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels. It's basically it takes place in the Star Wars universe during uh, the original trilogy era. I don't know. I'm not that into it personally. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. but they really like it. It's got action adventure. There is like gunfighting. So my son is really into that, and you know, blasting stormtroopers in the face, but not in a violent way, but in like a I don't know, in a playful cartoon way. So it's it's a it's a hit. It's a hit in the household. Um, and then Liz and I are having our our show. Uh, we were inspired by Mike uh, to watch the first season of Succession, which we just finished watching, and it's crazy. <laughs> Man, this this is dramatic uh, Arrested Development. <laughs> uh, I have never felt so many crazy emotions all at once, always coupled with disgust. Maybe some loathing and some real sympathy. 
pity, uh, like, and I, I'm wanting somebody to do better and kind of knowing that they're disgusting people and like rooting for them too. Ah, uh, so many crazy things happening here. Uh, yeah. I, I'm so glad that you started watching it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Just finished season one and, uh, whew, what a roller coaster, man. <laughs> I, maybe I'll take a couple days break before jumping into season two because, man, this family is so messed up. You gotta got take a palate cleanser or something. You know? I think so I might. Is, is this when you Do watch Arrested Brooklyn Development? Night. Oh, oh, yeah, Arrested <laughs> Development. There you go. Perfect. You might as well, yeah. Honestly, I keep on thinking of Rest of Arrested Development during the show because most of the characters are basically the same. It's the same basic family structure setup. It's like, it's amazing. How did, how did you turn it from like an amazing comedy, dark comedy, to an amazing dark drama? That's so cool. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Lenny, do you have experience with, with Succession? I do. I, I watched the first, uh, I think, two seasons. I haven't seen the, the most recent one yet. Um, I like the show. It's funny. Um, I don't know. I, I have weird feelings about it because the characters are so unlikable. Um, I feel like when I watch it, like it's funny, but it also kind of puts me in a dark mood. So it's definitely the kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to watch the third season, but it'll probably be not for a while. I see. Mm, I see. Yeah. I I love I love how the show can make me not like all these people and then usually for an episode I will kind of be rooting just a little bit for one person because they're doing something less terrible than everybody else is doing. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they have a goal and maybe they have it for some with some mixed motives and one of them happens to be an okay motive for me to get behind. <laughs> Uh, it's just like a show full of vipers, man. Yeah, and I think the show is Uncle Ewan. I, I love I Uncle say, Ewan as a character. Oh. He's he's the only guy so far. Anyway, sorry. Can you try not to spoil sorry, it? I, I was just gonna say I, oh, I yeah, think the no. show has helped a lot by cousin Greg and um and Tom because they add like oh, yeah. the silliness and the ridiculousness that without that it would just be really really dark. So they add a lot of levity and zaniness. Yeah. Cousin Greg is great. He's going to rule the empire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for that to happen. Nice. Nice. Uh, what have you been watching, Mike? Or your family? Um, so we recently found this show on uh, Disney Plus called Bluey. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Bluey, but it is oh. a family of dogs um, in Australia. Um, it's really cute. It's really funny. Um, they're like 10 minute episodes, uh, but there's, I don't know how many we're at episode 30 or something and it's still going. Um, it's just about this cute little family of dogs who, uh, the dad's funny. The mom's funny. They're all funny. I don't know. I don't know how much more I can say about it, but I think anything that you can't say, Jeff Kanata on the film cast is, is saying for you. Oh yeah. He's been singing the praises of Bluey for oh, like two years. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he's got good taste or maybe I do. Uh, I don't know. So it's just like a Peppa Pig type of show, or what, what? What are we talking about? Here? It's kind of like a Peppa Pig type show. Like this is definitely for children. Um, but like whenever my wife comes out from the room, like watching with them, she's like, "Man, that he's just like you," and I don't really know how to take it. Um, <laughs> but it's it's funny. It's like I'm I'm amused by it when I watch it. So that's always nice to 
not watch Peppa Pig and watch something actually amusing. I do hate Peppa Pig. I hate <laughs> Peppa Pig so much. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. That's nice. Are, are you watching anything anything with with your wife though? Like, I mean, Jesse did a, did a two parter there. You got a two parter. Yeah. Um. So with the wife, we wrapped up watching a bunch of twenty twenty one movies together uh, over the last couple of weeks, um, and taking been taking a bit of a palate cleanser ourselves with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah. Always mm. great. Ba -da -ba -ba -da. Yeah. Uh, it, it's I'm so sad. I actually wish that we mentioned that in the top ten episode, just like briefly about the sort of the TV that had been happening. Um. Because I was so sad to say goodbye to Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, did you watch the last season? I did. Yeah, I have not. We're on season five right now. I think it, it's one of the few shows. Like I think I mentioned this before. Like I really like sitcoms a little bit more than than prestige dramas. They're easier for me because I don't. I feel like I don't have to pay attention. Prestige dramas can feel like homework sometimes, and with Brooklyn Nine Nine, there's never any. Um, I don't know pressure to to get it. Yeah. You, you know, you can totally fall asleep mm -hmm. for an episode or two, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, and. <laughs> But I was I was up for every episode of the final season, and I was sad because it's definitely the worst season in my opinion. Mm. Um, it's still really funny though. And okay, it's, it's great in a show that's this funny that a show that makes me laugh consistently every episode. At the end of the season, I'm like, well, that was the worst season. Yeah. But of course, they're saying goodbye, and they have to say goodbye in this way. I don't think it ends very well. Um, but again, how are you gonna stick? How are you gonna stick an ending? Yeah. You know, very few shows can do it, and I was just so sad to see it go. Um, but I, I hope I hope that. Uh, Hope you guys get some joy out of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we do every uh, every night we watch it. Yeah. Um. So I'm sure we'll enjoy those Halloween those episodes, man. Those oh, Halloween great. episodes. Oh, jeez. We just watched through the series where Kevin has to stay in a in a safe house. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Very good. <laughs> I like it very much. Um, I actually have not been watching anything. Uh, my workplace has been, um, I think, as most workplaces across the country, uh, we've been dealing with a lot of. Um, the Omicron variant, um, I have had very little time or desire to do anything. I haven't seen a movie in, in quite a while or any show beyond like an episode of Seinfeld at night. Um, that's really what we've been watching. The wife is like, just turn on an episode or two of Seinfeld and, and that's all we got. Which makes me sad because nice. I, I love just like, uh, what, did, what movie are we watching today? You know, how are we going to engage with art in this way? What are we going to talk about? What's going to sort of inform the conversation? And it's, it's been, it's been kind of sucky. I haven't been able to do it. I hope this week is a little bit easier because I, I miss it. I see, I hear you guys talking about it. Or I see, I see Mike throwing stuff up on Letterboxd and I see that he's already watched like 11 movies this year. And I'm going like, Not what, that <laughs> I'm so behind. I got that movie subscription. So That's true. Yeah. But last year I watched like 150 more movies than you. And I, I need to clear that again. That's true. <laughs> or else I feel like I failed. <laughs> Um, but Letney, Letney, have you, uh, been, been watching anything interesting recently you want to talk about? Yeah, I've actually been, um, on your recommendation, I've been watching a few documentaries. Uh, the first one I watched was the Beatles Get Back, uh, which was, yeah. I was absolutely blown away by that. It's so amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, five stars. Absolutely. Um, it's so amazing because yeah. what Peter Jackson did was he, he took obviously this super old, um, documentary footage where they had like 60 hours worth. And he restored it to make it look, you know, more contemporary. But then he didn't include right. any interviews with the modern people or anything to break the spell. Right. So all of it, and even like, um, like d describing what's happening is not a voiceover. It's just text on the screen. So you're absolutely yeah. immersed mm. and you feel like you're hanging out with the Beatles. And it's like eight hours long. So it's completely immersive. Yeah. <laughs> and when I got done, I missed the Beatles. 
So that was an amazing yes, experience. I did too. I was like, yeah. oh, Paul. I remember when Paul did that thing? Yeah. And I was like, when, when George is gone for a little bit in, in sort of the middle piece, uh, I miss George. I was like, man, that sucks. Where's George Harrison? Like, yeah. he was so cool. Bring him back. And these guys, <laughs> it doesn't work with just the three of them. Like, like Lennon and McCartney get all up, all up their own butts, you know? And then Ringo's yeah. just kind of sitting around like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love it so much. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing I saw, I just saw today was uh, Summer of Soul. Uh, yes! Which is about the uh, Harlem Music Festival that happened at the same time as Woodstock, I think. Uh, but was yeah. largely ignored by the public and the media. Uh, and just really amazing soul and blues. And uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool. Um, again, like kind of a snapshot of... And it's really old footage, too. It's footage that sat in a basement for 50 years. And then they finally yeah. took it out and made this documentary. There's a part in that that I really loved um, where they show a guy some of the footage from the, the festival and they, he didn't know that there was footage. And I, I think the way that Questlove talked about how he did this was they canvassed for anyone who remembered there being a music festival in 1969 when they were children in Harlem. And there were several people who who thought there had been, but they were so young, they didn't they didn't really know. And since there was almost no historical evidence a lot of people kind of wondered if, if they'd made it up or something. So when they showed him the footage, you know, of the musical festival and you're watching his first time reaction, it's incredible because he's like, it did happen. Like that, that's a real memory I had. That's not like it, that's not something I dreamed. Um, but it was such a big moment for him and for some of the people they talked to and, and to see the looks on their faces when they, when they see it again was, it was really moving to me. I, I, I loved it. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, summer. Yeah, summer. absolutely. Yeah, that was my experience too. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Lenny? Um. Well, my my uh, oddly enough, my um, I don't know, palate cleanser show right now is also Seinfeld. So I watched a lot of Seinfeld. Uh, and then <laughs> I also saw the French Dispatch, which I loved. Oh, good! Great movie. So, yeah. Great movie. One of the greatest. So happy, some yeah. say. Some ha so happy some, that, that some, some people can really enjoy that. stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's uh, let's get uh, in into our movie here. We have a very brief cast and crew segment before we jump into the movie itself. Um, if you want to hear a more expanded cast and crew, listen back. I don't know why you're here. If you haven't listened to the first one, go listen to the first one. Um, but we joining us here. We have Maggie Gyllenhaal replacing uh, uh, what's her name. I almost Katie said Rachel Holmes. Dawes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Replacing Katie Holmes, um, who was busy making mad money at the time of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. She chose uh, well, didn't she? Yeah. Historically, that is aged like milk. Um, <laughs> but Maggie Gyllenhaal is here, and you know Maggie Gyllenhaal from, uh, she's been in quite a few things. So she's, she was in Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges. Um, she's, she's very good in Frank. Um, and also this year, she has her directorial debut on Netflix with Olivia Coleman and Dakota Johnson, uh, The Lost Daughter. Um, very excited to check that out. I haven't gotten to it yet. If if my memory serves me, like I don't remember Maggie Gyllenhaal very well until this movie comes out, and then she's suddenly in everything. She is not in everything, but a lot of things. Do you remember? Do you remember her in, in Donnie Darko? She was in Donnie Darko. Yeah. No. She's with no, Jake. To be honest. Really? Yeah. I, I remember her from Stranger Than Fiction. I think that's the first place that I saw her. Right. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I, I loved yeah, that yeah. movie. It's been a while since I saw it, but No, you're you're actually totally right. I remember her from Stranger Than Fiction, 
and then in this movie. I had a huge crush on her character in Stranger Than Fiction. I thought that she was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to to open a bakery because she had a bakery. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I spoiler, Mike, you never opened a bakery with Maggie Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Um, we also have, have here joining us, obviously, the late, great um, Heath Ledger, um, a real rising star gone too soon after this film. Um, but previously, he'd been in stuff like 10 Things I Hate About You, Brokeback Mountain, A Knight's Tale, The Patriot. Um, remember him in The Patriot? I yeah. was so surprised to see him in The Patriot, because I just saw that recently for the first time. Oh, really? And I was like, oh shit, Heath Ledger, wow, hey! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, isn't, isn't Draco Malfoy's dad the bad guy in that? I think so. Jason Isaacs? Yeah. Probably, Yeah. yeah. Evil, yeah. evil dude! Yeah. Wow, yeah. whoa, truly evil. Um, but not not much more can be said that hasn't been said about Heath. Um, and we'll say a few more things about him later in the episode. <laughs> um, finally, the last yeah, last two people I want to mention here: we have Aaron Eckhart uh, playing Harvey Dent, um, may know him from Thank You for Smoking, Aaron Brockovich, and then I'm bringing this up because I feel like at least you, Jesse, and probably you, Letney, saw this. I don't know if you've seen this, Mike. Did you watch Battle Los Angeles back when it came out? No. What no, is, what is no. Battle Los Angeles? Did, I think I did. I, I have no I, memory of it, though. <laughs> it, it's, where the, it's where the aliens come down in Los Angeles and the Marines have to go in. Oh, oh you know what? I fell asleep to this movie. <laughs> 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 I remember the falling asleep vividly, but not the movie itself. I, there were missiles. There was, there was a lot of missiles, yeah. I, that's all I No, Yeah, this Uh-oh. is a really forgettable movie. Yeah. Is that vaguely based on that that story that J.P. Thoreau told us on the Signs episode? Yes, I, I don't think so though, because it's like it takes place in modern day, and the aliens oh, okay. are really aggressive. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they're hearkening back to the idea of a battle, Los Angeles, which is why all the missiles. I think anyway. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be there. Interesting. I, I suppose so. You don't need it to watch the movie. Let me tell you that. Because <laughs> I didn't know about that until J.P. told us about that. Very good. Um, even though that's that's a movie that my dad. And I watched like three times for some reason. <laughs> Does, is he a fan? Does he really like? He Battle does Los like Angeles? Battle Los Angeles, but my dad, my dad classically likes um, uh, trash sci-fi. He really, really oh. likes that. Cool. Yeah, that, that's why uh, Rain of Fire was so big in in my family. Oh, oh, oh that that's your dad. Your, yeah. your dad is the <laughs> one that really liked Rain of Fire. Yes. Not it was not eight year old Vito. It <laughs> no. was your dad that was making sure you guys watched Dragons. Yeah, and and we had we had a really good time. Yeah, Hang on. no, that's cool. So there, there's something about trashy sci-fi that is also very classically dad. Absolutely, and he he lives that to a T. I think his favorite movie to this day is still Tremors. <laughs> mm. Yeah, gotta love them worms. <laughs> <laughs> the graboids. Um, <laughs> Last guy I wanted to mention is is uh, David Desmalkian, um, who has just had a wild 2021 after having been in an episode of What If, an episode of Immortal Compass. He's in Dune. He's in The Suicide Squad. He's a voice actor in Batman The Long Halloween Parts 1 and 2, which is my favorite animated thing from last year. Um, and he's just had a, he's had a weird, weird career where he's been in all sorts of stuff. Like he's in Bird Box, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. He's in Blade Runner 2049. He's just been around. Um, yeah, this was my most watched actor of 2021, and I didn't even know it until Letterboxd 
strung together all my movies from here. Like, here's a guy who's in, in most of the movies you watch. Like, really? <laughs> I don't even know who this guy is. <laughs> I guess I guess he's my favorite actor. <laughs> he, yeah. He's he's also in uh, Gotham. He plays a penguin in Gotham. That's right. Um, which is really weird. He he shows up here as a um, uh, as Rachel Dawes. What? Yeah. Do you you remember? The yeah, he has guy? a name tag. The... Oh, that's right. yeah. Oh, my God. Just so everybody knows who we're... Did we describe who we're talking about? No. no. All right, just so everybody knows who we're talking about, there's that scene in The Dark Knight where um, there's a bunch of cops lining up for, like, a parade or whatever. It's, I, it's Gordon's... It's, it's, a, it's a funeral for, for Loeb. Yeah, for Commissioner that's right. Loeb. It's a, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a funeral it's like for the, um, the, the commissioner. And remember, they're doing, like, the... 21 salute or whatever yeah and then they turn and shoot commissioner gordon everything goes haywire and then um harvey what is aaron aaron eckhart's name harvey Harvey dent harvey dent i believe in harvey dent yeah i believe in harvey dent so he goes to uh an ambulance and there is like one of the cops there or whatever that is the guy we're talking about yeah the one that he he kidnaps and he takes him away and he does the, the coin flip and then Batman stops yeah. it. It's like, I don't know anything. He's a paranoid schizophrenic broken out of Arkham Asylum. What do you think you're going to learn from him? It's such a small, tiny role, but this guy is apparently in so many things, doing lots of things like that because I don't remember him in any of the other movies listed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's very remarkable in um, in The Suicide Squad. Yes. He's like he Polka Dot Man. Man. <laughs> yeah, Probably great. the best part of that movie for me. <laughs> yeah. He's really good. Um, anyway, that that's that wraps us up for cast and crew. Uh, shorter segment because we have a lot to get into um, with mm-hmm. this movie, and so maybe I'll start the ball rolling here with Letney. Do you want to give us not only your nostalgia for this movie, your first impressions for this movie, but also just kind of generally how you feel about Batman? Sure. Yeah. So, um, like Mike, my first introduction to Batman was through the Nolan trilogy, uh, through Batman Begins. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie, but I do remember I wasn't allowed to see it when it came out because I remember my dad rented it and he was watching it and I wasn't allowed to see it, but I caught glimpses of like that opening action sequence and it was just, yeah. it was, um, it was a goal to see it after that. Like it was just, it was immediately. <laughs> so by um, keeping it away from me, you've made it irresistible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the Nolan trilogy is my introduction to Batman. And then uh, since then, you know, all the movies and, all the Arkham games and some comics. So yeah, huge fan. Probably up there with one of my favorite comic book characters. If not the top. Right. Okay. Who's he competing with? Yeah, who who's a competition? Spider-Man. Yeah, who's with a Batman. competition? Spider Man, um, you know, that's fair. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I think I think the true heads know those are the two best superheroes. Yeah. Absolutely. And then when, when, when you did finally see it, though, like, mind blown, how many times would you say you've seen this movie? Uh, I would say at least, at least at least 15, 20. More times than I can count. Nice. Yeah. This was definitely yeah. a movie that I yeah. watched, like, once a year for a while. At least once a year. Awesome. So Awesome. You see, that's why we have you, man. That's why we got you here. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Jesse? How how are you? Where would you come at this from? I mean, you already shared your your oh. your experience with Batman in the last pod. Oh, so much! Uh, this was a huge movie. Like there was, um, I remember when the teaser to this movie came out. 
and it was just it was just the Joker's voice. I think at the end that we got, maybe not even the voice, maybe just a laugh. And I was like, "Holy shit! The Joker's going to be in this realistic Batman movie. Oh shit! This is going to be awesome." Uh, that's what fifteen-year-old Jesse thought for sure. So sixteen-year-old Jesse finally got to see it um, in in the theater. Uh, it was just me and my friends. I, I guess this is what we did, but. Uh, yeah, my family wasn't even there. That's weird. I don't have a lot of memories of just me and my friends going out and seeing movies, but this is one of them. And uh, we'd driven out to another town, and we were all together and, like, spending the night. It's like, I don't know, a big group of us. And we went out, I think, for, our, like, 9 o'clock showing, and it just blew my mind. Ugh! I, I was also a, a really obnoxious teenager, so I think I even started clapping when the, the Joker killed somebody with a pen. <clears throat> yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what was crazy was everybody else in the theater was too. Yeah. Like, everybody's mind was collectively blown by this movie. Uh, and then I just remember, like, me and my friends just feeling crazy after seeing it and then speeding away in a parking in the parking lot in a car. Uh yeah, weird, weird times. Um, then I, you know, seeing this movie again with both my parents and my dad's mind, like, yeah, I remember my dad thinking that was awesome. And then my mom just being like, he should have killed him. <laughs> Look at that pra- pragmatism. I love it. Yeah. And my, I, I remember this so vividly, like both my parents in the front of the car, my dad just looking over and being like, no, he he can't kill him. That goes against his principles. She's like, but he deserved to die. Like he was doing all those terrible things. Like it just would have been better if he died. He's like, no, you missed the point of the movie. She's like, he just wants, she just should have died. That was it. Like, and then my She's dad just wrong. like, just, just stopped. He's just like, no. And just like, <laughs> look indignant and just kept driving uh, <laughs> that ha- that conversation continued later <laughs> <laughs> oh man um, yeah and then continuing to watch this movie so much for the rest of my life um, until like you know it's been like six years since I had actually last watched it so I was able to watch it with a fresher set of eyes this time so that was interesting um, yeah huge nostalgia for this one it was such a big deal yeah, that, that totally rhymes with me. Um, you know, I think I missed opening night with it, um, but I definitely went to see it in theaters, probably opening weekend or within the first week for sure with all, all my uh, all my closest friends. Um, and I I mean, we left the theater arguing, you know, it was incredible. We were just <laughs> like, oh, you know, like that argument was just over and over again. And I, I remember, you know, just like, uh, just flailing with my arms, trying to explain things to someone and other people flailing, trying to explain things to me. Um, it was, it was, was a real life squid game. Yeah. Yeah. It was a real <laughs> life squid game. Um, it, and it, it was a movie, like I, the sort of thing that you just talked about for years. Ever. Um, like yeah. if, if you met someone new, you were like, Hey, so have you seen the dark Knight?" <laughs> and they were like, yes or no. And if they said no, you're like, you're an idiot. And they said yes. Like, okay, did you like it? And if they said no, you said you're an idiot and walked yeah, away. Yeah. Otherwise. And I mean, like I might've met one of those people and, and everyone, so everyone saw it and everyone liked it. Yeah. It was amazing. It was the biggest um, movie in the world for a long time. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, that's, so that's like my uh, my nostalgia. It's it's like this is the new baseline of your life. This is the new foundation that your life is built upon. Yeah. In a certain way, just change the world, 
in the way that I saw and what I thought about movies, um, what you could do with, with movies, what you could do with superheroes. Um, yeah. 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 Same. Yeah. I, uh, I, I missed, so I actually have a little bit of a story to tell with this one. Um, I had this job that I had to do for my dad, uh, in the summer of 2008. And the job was we had this huge acreage and we had this one kind of really virulent weed that was growing. Um, but the thing was, is that the longer you left it, it had a very shallow, but, but broad root base. Oh yeah. Um, it was so a, it like extend. It, it went everywhere mm-hmm. and yeah. it was really hard to kill it. Um, because when it popped up in a clump, it didn't mean that the only roots were there in the clump. Um, it existed all in the topsoil, but if you churned it under, um, it would just, it would harbor in there until the topsoil had blown off and it would sprout again, like almost mm. impossible to get rid of. And the only way we really found out was if you were to dig it up and then and shake all the dirt out and then put the weed itself into a trash bag and then tie the bag up and throw the bag away. Like, get it out, right? Because if you burned it, the seeds would pop open and it would spread that way. So there's mm. no way to get rid of it except for individual digging out. And my job that summer was to dig out uh, three acres of this with a shovel and a wheelbarrow and trash bags. It was miserable. It was one of the worst times I've ever had in my life. Um, but he had a thing with me and he's like, look, I need you to finish this section so you can go see The Dark Knight on opening night. It's Thursday night there in my town is a huge deal. All my friends were going and I had to get it done by a certain time. And I couldn't get it done by that time. I got, I got it in a half an hour late. And he, my dad like stuck to his principles and he said, well, you were late. I don't know what to tell you. And it broke my heart. Mm. I was, I was like crushed. I spoilers for dark Knight rises, but when Batman gets broken by Bane, <laughs> that's how it <laughs> felt. I felt like my dad had just snapped me in half. Um, it's something I actually don't know if I actually have ever forgiven him for. Because <laughs> there was no reason for it. I could have still made the movie, um, but I didn't get it done at the time he said. Uh, but fast forward to the next day, I'm so angry. And he's like, you can go see it with your friends. And I was like, cuss, yeah, I can. What are you talking about? I don't need your permission for that. I'm obviously going to go see it. You ruined my, my memories from forever with this movie. Uh, and I did go see it. And then I saw it two more times. I saw it three times in the theaters, twice in the normal theater, and then once at our local drive-in um, in the car with all my buddies. And it was it was the best time. It, that movie took over my summer. I bought mm-hmm. the soundtracks. There were two soundtracks that were released. There was like the one of the major ones. And then Hans Zimmer was like, I don't know. Here's some other stuff I have that also made up the rest of the soundtrack. I bought that too. Um, when I finally got it on DVD, I wore out the DVD. I still have it. I got it on, on, on uh, there's when you could redeem the digital code. And that used to be like a really cool thing. And I had a little iPod classic and I used to watch mm. this movie every night for like four months on my little iPod classic. <laughs> wow. I, I've seen this movie so many times, just like possibly more than any other movie in my life, possibly more than any other. Um, and it, it's so familiar to me that even now, even though I haven't seen it in, you know, five, six, seven years, when I put it on, I was like, I can't be surprised by this movie anymore. I know everything about it so intimately. It was just like, oh, I'm back. Here I am. Yeah, it's the scene. Yeah, yeah. it's like your home. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, it was It was weird, though, this time. Um, well, we'll get into it a little more. It was weird this time being older, and I like to talk about that. Yeah. Um, but this, for a long time, I would have said this is my favorite movie. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy from the mid-2000s. It was my favorite movie for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it meant a lot to me, and it changed everything. It changed everything. Um, and I guess I'll start, uh, I will show this to my kids when I show them Batman Begins. Um, I don't know when that'll be. I'm still out on it. 
but I did, just as an update for this, since I don't really have an answer for this. It's whenever I do Batman Begins, but I did show my daughter Batman the Animated Series. Oh, um, yeah. Very That's recently. Right. Oh, yeah. She loved it. Uh, oh, I actually, cool. I have to preview the episodes, because I, I remember there's this one with Clayface. Um, and Clayface, like, in, in the show, is, is this actor who, who keeps applying this putty, and he makes his yeah. skin, like, gelatinous and slide off him until eventually he has no bones and he's a clay person. Um, but there's some really horrifying images in this Clayface episode, and it's, like, episode two. <laughs> so when, mm. when I watch this with my daughter, I need to watch the episode first, and then I can bring her in on because we're skipping the Clayface stuff, because I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is rough. Uh, you wouldn't show this in a PG-13 movie. Like, it's really upsetting. Um, mm. But she really yeah. loves it and loves Batman. Yeah, that's why I, I think I haven't done the the animated series, because I, I don't trust it enough. to Like, that's why I went with Star Wars Rebels, because it's like, ah, it's going to be Star Wars Rebels. I kind of know what's in here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just stuff that uh, you just got you to be careful with. I mean, like we talked yeah. about last time, the Batman iconography is dangerous, and that's part of its appeal, you know? Yeah. I do like the the idea of, of previewing every every episode, but that's so much time. It's a lot, and so it's only something I'm going to do like once a week. You know, I'll, I'll watch yeah. the episode when she's in her nap time, sure. and then when she comes out, we'll watch it together. You know, that's um, cool. Yeah, or, really or I'll fall asleep to it at night, and I'll fast forward through parts. I don't know. Yeah. Because um, I remember my dad used to do that too before movies. He would watch a movie by himself, and the next movie he'd watch it with me, and just to make sure. You know. Um, but, uh, uh, Jesse, uh, will you show this to your kids right after Batman Begins? Will you do one before the other? I don't know. Yeah. Cause like, I feel, I think that Batman Begins, it, you can be a 12 year old and watch that one. I yeah. think that'll be okay. I don't think a 12 year old is as equipped for what's happening here. Um, like for me, this was this was like an earth-shattering movie, um, in terms of like just recognizing this sort of darkness in people, um, like psychologically, uh, recognizing you know. And the first one, they they talk about how corrupt the government is, but in some ways, I I realized how bad uh, local government, like any sort of system or government, can be from from this movie. This was like my real. This was kind of foundational for me. Yeah. In that regard. Because like I just realized these are a bunch of ordinary people with ordinary motivations and that's what's messing things up. That's what and that's what's being tweaked with and like I, I like it's not that I don't want a twelve year old to know that, but do it how much do I want them to explore that without proper intellectual tools? Um I definitely walked out of yeah. this movie just to that point. I definitely walked out of this movie feeling like that scene we were making fun of in Batman Begins, you know, your system is broken. And I definitely remember feeling like it's, it's anarchic spirit, you know, towards politics and towards um, organized society. After yeah. This, like a deep distrust that I don't think I had beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a real appeal to the Joker, like both when I watched it then, which is why I, I clapped for the, you know, the pen scene. Oh, what a stupid thing. Cringe. No, I no. cringe at my past. He was a magician. You were clapping for a good magic trick. You made it disappear. <laughs> it was gone. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the Joker just has. Um, it's got an appeal even even now. Like when I, like I I kind of think the Joker is right even today. I don't want to introduce that that sort of spirit and these ideas to to a twelve year old. I think they have to be like. Uh, at least 15 
Hmm. That's a compelling. Yeah, I, I want them see, to have I'm... deep thoughts and to be yeah. able to see this movie like apart from how they feel. I, that needs to be a delineation for my kids in order to see this movie. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, man, like I remember fifteen-year-olds. Uh, I like it's still a compelling case. They're a compelling mm-hmm. argument. Like throw some chaos into it, mm-hmm. you know. Like because um, I think about chaos, it's fair. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I remember 15 year olds and 18 year olds and stuff being like, oh yeah, I'm like the Joker, you know? Um, yeah. and like wanting to emulate that sort of lifestyle or whatever. Um, and then in that some just way, gave... most of them were just like, I'm gonna, I don't know. I don't even know. It what just, gave, it just, just gave rise to like edgelord yeah. culture. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like edgelord culture and not many people did much with it, but there were people who who did kind of take that to its extreme which is not what christopher nolan was intending with the movie no no um like uh like that movie theater killer that came out yeah the dark night rises in the dark night rises yeah Mm -hmm. um and uh, he was dressed like the joker uh so i it's i feel like it's a little complicated because of that um it's a it's a dangerous ethos yeah. that he has, right? Yeah, and it's a dangerous idea, and it, it has to be handled really with care because if left up to the to the discussion of you know babies with babies, and here I am saying teenagers are babies. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, if babies are talking to babies about how to interpret this, uh, it's it's such an intoxicating thing, right? To be able to move the world so dramatically with your actions that it, mm-hmm. it, it this is something like this isn't a dangerous movie, but it has dangerous ideas, and they need to be shepherded. Like Jesse was saying, you know, you need to be able to engage deeply beyond how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. You need to think and feel, and they have to be, you have to go together with them. You can't just be feeling something and thinking something else. And that's what's, that's what's so complicated and really cool about this movie is that it's, it's the first time a huge summer blockbuster had such a intoxicating villain. Yeah. Um, I, I really think it was the first time it happened. Like the, the Jack Nicholson as the Joker is, is fun and like, evil you know in like a like a mustache twirly way Um, yeah but there's so much like Heath Ledger as the Joker gets so much room to breathe in this that every time he's not on screen you really feel it you know you're kind of like oh get him back quit whining Batman (laughs) (laughs) um that's a good point so what age would you would you say yeah I mean probably around when I guess probably around when I show them the first one but I don't know. I was 17 when I saw it and I felt very equipped to handle it. I didn't become an edgelord. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you were already a hipster. So I, yeah. <laughs> I was a hipster for hipsters were hipsters. Um, <laughs> Such a hipster thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, like late teens um, is kind of what I think is yeah. probably the best for this. But at the same time, it's like, well, I kind of want to show them Batman Begins earlier than that. So I, yeah, I'm kind I of do. out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really do want to show them Bat- Batman Begins earlier than they are able to handle this movie because I do think there are, no matter what there's going to be a gap there. So well, either I yeah. save Batman Begins till later but like at this point I've already my son has already seen part of Batman Begins and that's Also you be... you want him to see that before like, you know, the Marvel train takes over. Yeah. You know, I I at least I feel like, you know, Batman Begins is such a good foundational kind of superhero movie. That it's good mm-hmm. to see that one when you're in your formative years instead of being formed by just Marvel. You know, that'll set you up to, on a true. different kind of track, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. This is what art can be, son. Yes. Watch carefully. <laughs> <laughs> how, about, how about you, Lenny? Do you, are you are you rhyming with us? Are you like no when there's six? Like. No, I'm totally rhyming with you guys. Uh, I mean, I don't have an exact age. I, I'm guessing it would sort of depend on the personality and maturity of the kid. So yeah. maybe if your your child is more thoughtful and introspective, maybe maybe earlier. But yeah, somewhere I don't know, fifteen to seventeen, yeah. something like that. The wrong answer. The only wrong answer is under ten. I feel <laughs> that's the only wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Um, um, well, yeah, and I mean, just like further, there's some like horrific stuff happening. Like this is yeah. this is yeah. terrifying. There yeah. is terror going on here. Um, I think it's rated PG-13 for like menace. You know? Yeah, that's wild. I mean, like you don't. It's not super gory, although there's, like there's no Two-Face gore. is pretty gross. This is it's, it's a little juicy. It's, it's <laughs> a little his eyeball until you get to Two-Face. Because, yeah. like, you have the whole scene with the pencil, <laughs> and there was nothing yeah. there. There's no gore, you know? No and then there's all the scenes where, yeah. like, yeah. with Gamble and his or, men, yeah. when he when cuts he his cut, mouth. You don't see anything. No, yeah. No. yeah. There's just a dramatic dramatic music cue that tells you something horrible happened. Dun, dun. <laughs> I, I wonder if that was on purpose. Like, yeah. he was trying, like, it made it more menacing by not having any blood, or if it was, like, him working really, really hard to get to the PG-13 rate. I don't think he had to work that hard, though, because the, the violence in the movie, uh, like, is this movie violent? I guess so, but I don't really think of it as a violent movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, the hand-to-hand combat's, like, pretty light. It, it takes about an hour and a half to get to... And even then, like, there's, there's a car chase, there's some explosions, like, actual physical violence between humans is is not... It, it does, there's the interrogation scene, which is, like, the most violent, right? Yeah. But it, when the viol- when the movie is violent, it's disturbing and violent. Yeah. You know, like, the interrogation scene is 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 really messed up on a number of levels. Yeah. And, like, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but even, like, in the SWAT, like, the SWAT team sequence at the end, like, Batman's just, like, pushing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna tie you up and, like, dangle you. Like, you don't understand. The, the Jokers are the civilians. Like, don't do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think it is for the effect though, because like the gamble stuff, I remember because he he has the the knife in the mouth, and he looks over the guy and he's like, "Why so serious?" And then and then the cut to the back of him, right? And then gamble mm-hmm. falls, and there's the music. Like that's you remember that, and I, I feel like I would have been I'm more disturbed by that than if I watched the knife like exit his mouth or something. Yeah, yeah. Kudos. Yeah, to I think Hans the, the Joker is so. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Joker is so tactile, and I don't know that scene is so it's almost intimate. You know, he's, he's holding yeah. the guy's face, and you can almost feel the knife in your cheek. You know, so it's like mm-hmm. it's horrifying. It's horrifically violent, but it's implied violence. You know, it's not visual violence, but you feel it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, you were saying uh, about Hans Zimmer. Yes, Jesse. Yes, Hans Zimmer is working a thousand percent harder than he needs to here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and the payoff is amazing. The 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 slow just to open the movie. The, the escalating uh, tension on the string, right? And you think it's never yeah. going to resolve. You feel so tense because it's he's ever escalating, right? And then it finally breaks when the window explodes outwards. Yeah. And then you're, it's so cool watching it for the 30th time, 40th time, and knowing exactly when it's going to happen, but still being like, I'm still surprised as to which window it is. Like, no. I, I, I'm, I'm down to a grouping of four windows every time and there's one of these ones and then boom and you're like oh the movie started here we go all right um isn't that what makes the joker like such a compelling i mean totally 
going past our normal order, but isn't that what makes the Joker a, a compelling or one of the most compelling and disturbing villains that we've ever seen is because like usually someone who's leading like a group of people to do like massive destruction and chaos, like they're not hands-on, but right. he is so like what you said, like intimate. He gets so up close. It's almost a kiss. He's almost making out with each of his victims. Like, you know how I got these scars? It's just so much wet, you know? It's so, yeah. 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 It, it's, it's crazy. And, and, with that opening scene, um, it, you know, like, man, the reveal at the end of it that he's there, I'm, mm -hmm. this is totally mm, spoiler-heavy yeah. um, episode. No, I don't think we need to worry about that. But, like, oh, what, how mind-blowing, and, and he's just constantly yeah. there doing everything himself. It's wild. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I love that like, he has a Joker mask the, over his makeup. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like one of the most compelling things for any leader to do is to do the same work that uh, the people under them are doing, right? Yeah. They're doing the work that they make others do. Um, I mean, that's what has kept like George Washington in the American mythos for, for forever. Yeah. He's a guy who like did all the soldier stuff. You can't lead from and, the back, dude. Yeah. And here you have the joke. He's actually doing this. The Joker he, takes up like that primarily mentality. Primarily him, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's doing like he's an undercover boss. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's the original undercover boss. <laughs> but he is one of the guys. That's what. Again, that's what makes the Joker compelling and make him makes him more tactile. Tactile. He's not. He's not the Godfather just pulling the strings from afar, making some guy do something, makes another guy do another thing. He's always just there telling people or doing it himself yeah this guy thinks he can sit this one out and still take a slice <laughs> now i know why they call him the joker <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um amazing uh so i think uh let's let's do some quick favorite scenes before we get into some of our questions here um because i mean this movie is is, is hallowed but um i, I want to say all the stuff we can say about it and really enter into a discussion so so mike what's your favorite scene I'm going to say my favorite scene today is um, <laughs> the, the scene that has stuck with me just for, you know, the last decade has been the scene um, in the uh, the fundraiser that Bruce Wayne gives nice. to Harvey mm. Dent. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, uh, when, you know, there's, it's very, it's kind of the linchpin of the story where everyone finally sort of comes together. The Joker shows up and, um, why you want to know how I got these scars to Maggie Gyllenhaal um, for the second time for the second time but the first time mm -hmm. to, to, to Maggie to, right. to yeah. Rachel um, and it's just like that image has impressed itself into my mind forever for eternity um, mm -hmm. of him, him doing that to her and like I cared about, about Rachel Dawson and or Rachel Dawes um, and about the, you know, like, like, this is just crazy. This guy is here in the middle of this big fundraiser. He's walked in. Hoity-toity yeah. hoity people. And, um, Christian Bale's trying to make sure no one knows that he's the Batman, but still save his, the love of his life and save Harvey Dent and save Gotham. It, it's a fantastic scene. The wheels are coming off. Things are falling apart, um, as we get ushered into the, uh, action-heavy second half of the of the movie, and I just love it. 
I love yeah. it so much. It's like a ballet. Um, the camera is twirling and everything's moving so fast. Um, the colors are beautiful. I, I love that scene. Um, I, lo I love the way the Joker says that. Where is Harvey Dent? Yeah. You know, it, it, everything he does is so odd. You know, where is he? Where is he? You know where he is? You know where he is? You know where he is? He's yeah. like, he takes a champagne and throws all of the champagne out of it and then takes a drink. <laughs> uh, which which was like, it's interesting too, because we saw earlier uh, how um, Bruce Wayne, he takes the champagne and he makes a toast and doesn't drink any. He throws yeah. it over the side and like it sets up this duality or continues setting up there's uh, an echo. This duality echo between um, between the Joker and Batman, which yeah. you know, archetypal sort of very much structure. Very, very Jungian, if you'd like. Yeah, a little, yeah, a little yeah. Jungian. <laughs> mm. That no, it's a fantastic scene. I really do. Nice. It, it, it's funny. It's thrilling. There's got a lot of like when he walks back after he disarms the one henchman. Yeah. Right, and he sees the two people who are obviously like having sex in the other room. Yeah. And then he opens the side panel. She's like, "Oh, oh they have a panic room. room." Yeah, and then he walks in. She's like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah. Um, no, everything about that is is really good. Uh, yeah, great scene. I, I think I think my favorite scene. Um, I don't know if this is yours, Jesse, or yours, Letney. So I'm I'm sorry if I'm taking it. It's it's the ending. I love the ending. I love the ending so so much. Um, the final confrontation with Two Face and Gordon um, in the burned-out building where Rachel died. Uh, was, I think it's really fantastic. I used to think when I was younger that it was un, it was kind of unneeded or it went on too long, but this time through, when I was watching the movie, I actually found myself really caring more about Harvey and really caring more about his relationship with Rachel. I think as a kid, and even when I was a younger man, I was so much like, like, oh, you get away from Rachel. She's she's Batman's. And this time I was like, no, that is obviously not going to work. Like you were, you were pining away for no reason. This is not going to happen. She's falling in love with this guy. They're a good match mm -hmm. for each other. They challenge each other. They complete each other really well. And you know, this is the hope for the city. And seeing Harvey's fall from grace is so tragic to me now because mm -hmm. of the, the high hopes you've had, and even just like on a micro level in, in professional work, I've seen so many very promising people come in to, to any of the jobs I've had. And I've envisioned sort of a future at that job with someone who's this good. And they just needed to grow a little bit. You know, they just need a little bit more power, needed to be set up in a different way. And then everything could be better for everyone. And I saw it so clearly. And so many times I've seen that go wrong. You know, mm -hmm. something happens in that person's personal life or they don't get the raise in time. And to watch the wasted potential, the, the tragedy of the wasted potential is so sad to me. Mm -hmm. And I was even sad and even deeper this time watching uh, Harvey Dent go through it. And the, the final, speaking again of Hans Zimmer, the final note building where he's got, he's got Gordon's boy, you know, and he tells him lie, like I lied. And the music like subtly building in the background, everyone's already so tense. Like, how is this even going to work? Batman got shot. Like, what are we doing right now? Um, and then the final, final finale of Batman being like, you know, blame me. It's fine. This is the only way we can save this city together. And then Gordon's awesome monologue, you know, yeah, we'll hunt yeah. him. He can take it. And you're like, yes, he can. He's Batman. <laughs> it's so sad. Um, and the final, you know, driving up into the light, the dark night. Oh, yeah. I think it's beautiful. I think it's perfect. In my opinion, I think it's perfect. And uh, that's my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. That's a great scene. Yeah. It's always struck me as weird. Well, it's struck me as weird for years because, like, it feels like the finale should be the Batman and the Joker. I think... Like you were talking about why why you thought it dragged on too long, and I and I used to have those feelings too because like it, 
I always just wanted him and the Joker. That's what this whole movie is about. And then you get that, and it's like, oh, it's still going. After after they had their final confrontation, this is still happening. Okay, that's weird. Um, but maybe part of part of the reason why I still in uh, love the Dark Knight so much is because like it throws little twists at you. Um, like that is a like everything you're pointing out about that scene is amazing, and it's this, uh, you know. But it, it's it, it still feels like a twist. It is, it's not something that you initially see coming. If you I, were to say, I, I yeah. think a really good reason for that is that usually in comic book movies, the the defeat, the de- the defeating of the main villain, um, is the end of the movie. Defeating the villain stops the plan. You know, if if the bad guy's gone, then nothing bad is going to happen now because of his plan. And what I really love about this is that um, Joker's whole thing is like trying to make sure that he actually had to do as little as possible in a lot of the stuff, right? Like he set everything up, and as he says, you just give it a little push, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's then he like the, the boat thing, right? He leaves it in the hands of everyone else. He he set the game up. You gotta play, right? Because if you don't play, I hit one button. But now I'm causing like this huge thing with you guys, and you need to figure out what to do. And I saw this as like Joker's last, you know, last last card trick. This is the last thing I got. Even if His I ace go down, in the hole. Yeah. I yeah, I made this monster. I made a monster out of the best one of you. Isn't that yeah. cool? Isn't that funny? Look what I did. <laughs> yeah. Because now they those people will blow themselves up. Because all along the the battle is not against it's not really against the Joker. It's not really against Harvey. It's against Gotham's corruption. Yeah. Gotham's soul deteriorating. That's what the real battle is about in four, which is why it just it makes it a nice bow. Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what, what what's your favorite? Did I take your favorite, Jesse? Was that it? no I, it's of all the movies to pick favorite scenes for this is by far the hardest because i i yeah. genuinely love every scene like when i was watching it last time i was just like oh yeah we're at this scene now oh this scene is so cool i forgot this cool scene happened so early oh we're at this scene now oh cool uh like i was doing that every two minutes um because every transition was like a scene i remembered so vividly and was so awesome um yeah, I, I guess the most iconic scene is the interrogation scene. That's the one that always yeah. stick, comes to my mind first if someone says the Dark Knight. Um, so, so I guess that's my favorite scene. It's, you know, it's the unstoppable force meets the immovable object in, in a room together. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, they're... You and have the way nothing, he can, you have the nothing to just, stop me with. With all of your power. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing Batman could do, uh, and you know, to hear the Joker just, uh, yeah. To, also, I love the scene this time around where the Joker gets a little mad. I've noticed that I've, I was looking for like the characteristic of the Joker this time around, which is something that I never actually really tried to do, like piece together who is this guy. And I notice he gets mad sometimes. And one of the, the thing that gets his, gets him mad is when people treat him like he's crazy, like he doesn't see something and batman insults him and he's like don't treat me like them uh like um don't treat me like you're one of them because you're not yeah you're a freak you're, you're trash like who kills for money <laughs> 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 and he's not trash like yeah it's so obvious that's not what he's doing and he gets mad about it you can tell he's just like no you, you idiot <laughs> and yeah 
Or like, or like the same, like the bo- the mobsters meeting, right? When they're yeah. when they're laughing at him because ah, freak. He's like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or they or they really call him freak while he's talking. He's like a guy like me, and the guy says freak. He's like a guy like me. He's like listen, and then he changes <laughs> tactics and insults them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I never. I guess I never caught up. Uh, caught it when I was younger, but yeah, he's he's getting mad there. He's. I think he genuinely hates it when people can't see the truth of things and the truth of who he is and the truth of who everybody else is, which is what he's there to show everybody. Right. Yeah. Ugh. He he wants he wants the world's outsides to be like his insides, and he truly believes that you know, and it it just really gets his goat when the boat experiment does not go the way it should, because hmm. because like, <laughs> it's it's the one time that he was kind of like wrong. Yeah. About how someone was going to react. Because he's, he's right pretty much all the way there. And he's playing yeah. everyone like a... Thug. But he has a detonator. So he was... <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, he was expecting to be disappointed. Anyway, I don't want to get too off track because we're talking about my favorite scene. I guess my favorite scene is the interrogation scene. But man, I love every single scene in this movie. And I will say the most iconic little like image, two second image of the scene has to be the, the semi truck though. <laughs> just turning upside down it's like holy shit that's not cgi that's a real semi that just got turned upside down out of nowhere oh that is so cool yeah i love that it just starts like the the nolan extra train where he's like all right i flipped the semi all the way up to like tenant where he's like you know it'd be better than cgiing a plane going through a building let's just put a plane through a building (laughs) that would be so much easier Yeah, all these extra planes and yeah. all these extra buildings. Too late, like Dark Knight Rises, he's like, I don't know, just just hang a plane from a plane while they're flying. Like, what? what yeah, well, if it crashed down somewhere <laughs> in Ireland, it's okay. That's so cool. How, how about you, Lenny? What's your favorite? Sorry, I cut out for a second there. Um, yeah, I was just gonna say uh, the the scene Jesse mentioned in the, the interrogation room. Uh, one of the things that's so amazing about that scene visually is that we're so used to seeing Batman and the Joker in the dark or kind of in their natural environment. But there you see them in the stark white, you know, fluorescent mm. light. And yeah. the like the Joker's makeup is running and cracking. And it's it's such an unnatural, bizarre way to see them that it adds mm. to the, I don't know, the surreal nature of that scene. If it wasn't... It's a fishbowl, man. Yeah. It's a fishbowl. It's yeah. like a small image of like the larger battle that's going on between them across across the city and an image of us watching them on TV. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like it too because cool. if, if they had shot it differently, like if they had made a different choice, this would be very easy to have Batman look really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like he's got this big ass cape <laughs> in this really white room and they, they do it in a way you don't think about it. But I was just thinking like if you saw security, like modern day security camera footage, it would just look so silly. <laughs> it would just look like a man playing dress up yeah. and another man playing dress up and beating each other. on each other. Uh, but what, what is funny that that's one of the few scenes where you see that he's wearing mascara around his eyes. Yes. To make it all black. Right. But normally you don't notice that. It's just, you know, in the dark. Yeah. yeah. They're smart about that because they showed um, all the other Batmans with their mascara uh, too, way too often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's your favorite scene, Lightning? Uh, I mean, this movie has so many. Like, each time yeah. you guys mentioned a scene, I'm like, that could be my favorite scene. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, in terms of picking something unique, um, I really love the convoy scene. Um, especially once they get up above and the, the Joker, you know, coming out and it's just such, it's like, it's, I think it's the action set piece of the movie, uh, flipping the truck and, you know, the, everything with the Batmobile yeah. turning into a bike and, you know, flipping on the wall and 
it's just such an amazing sequence so well shot what is uh, that a bazooka <laughs> that's not good oh that's not good <laughs> i at this this time watching it i was kind of like could you shut up like, you know, why is this guy talking so much like, shut up uh also it's weird like i didn't notice it as a kid but i was i know it's gordon right driving yeah but i was like it's pretty weird you're not talking like yeah, yeah. you should be saying something you've got like yeah. all your shit on and not talking to this guy at all yeah i would start to suspect a little him. suspect yeah I actually yeah. had completely forgotten it was Gordon. Oh. I had completely forgotten this subplot. Oh, nice. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, Gordon's dead. Um, and then, so the reveal, like, was great for me. It was awesome. Wait, so you also <laughs> forgot I, Dark Knight Rises? <laughs> yeah, I completely, for, like, I, I wasn't thinking about it. Um, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's a testament I, to the movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, no, but so, like, I thought it was one of the Joker's men. Oh, I see. I knew, like, Gordon was going to come back, but I forgot I forgot how he came back. Right, completely, yeah. Just completely forgot about it. Nice, nice. Testament to yeah. not watching something for a while. Good. I think I think he needs to not. You need to not be thinking about him coming back in order for that scene to even work. Yeah. Because there's no reason for Gordon to be there. No. Just absolutely no reason. the yeah. The whole that whole the whole thing is there just for the audience to gasp because like, oh, he's not dead. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. We we still have another one good guy that has not been killed. That's nice for us. Yeah. Yay. Because <laughs> everyone else, basically, every other cop is getting shot in the head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oof. Um, okay. Uh, let's let's start out with a, with a with this question here. Um, I'd like to ask, it, now that we're, you know, some, I don't know, 12, 14 years after this movie's come out, um, how is this age, do you, do you feel, in, in our current culture? Um, you know, just as we talked in the last one, you know, Batman Begins, it's gritty, but it's also still comic booky. It's doing things that no other movie had really done before it. Um, and then this one is not only, I think, like pretty radically different from Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks different. It's shot different. It feels different. Everything feels just stepped up. And it also becomes one of the most successful movies of all time. And it really cements for the popular culture that superhero movies are here to stay. You know, this is not an anomaly. This is not just relegated to X-Men or Spider-Man. Um, there's stuff here. And also just before this, this one came out, um, there was Superman Returns. That's um, right. Where, you know, it made, it made decent money, but it didn't excite anyone. So really the Marvel thing is taking off. The DC thing is not taking off. I mean, they also talk about like Batman Begins, I think underperformed, um, at the box office, but had really strong DVD sales. So they were expecting this movie to be big, but it was bigger than anyone could have ever thought. Um, probably buoyed in, in some small way by Heath Ledger's untimely passing. Um, and also all the gossip surrounding that and the secrecy this movie is shrouded in. Do you remember how long it took us to see the Joker? It took forever. Yeah. This movie yeah. guarded it, for a long it time. so well. Yeah. yeah, so looking back at it now, not necessarily as a movie, but just how, how it is in our culture, given that context. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, this definitely seems to me like a movie that was made in two thousand. Um, are made in a time where uh, there are many videos of uh, uh, captured people by terrorists coming out. Um, terror is huge, I guess. Like, I, that's a weird way to say it, but I mean, do you, I, I remember like having the news on and being like, "What fresh hell awaits us today?" Yeah. Uh, think things were bad, man. Um, were. <laughs> and they st- they still are, but it's just the uh, the sheer amount of 
data that's pressing on our eyelids, eyeballs every day um, makes it seem maybe less weighty. But I don't know. I like. Do you remember seeing those those like home videos of captives, yeah. um, torture yeah, yeah. victims that would be played on Fox News or CNN? Mm-hmm. Um, because like that was that was horrific. Um, and that's something, you know, that this is definitely... Also, also the constant kind of, bombings. Yeah, you know? constant bombings. We were in war. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of sick of war by now. Like, we were kind of sick of being in Iraq. It had been, um, been going on for, you know, five, six years at that point. Yeah, yeah. And when the first one came out, we weren't really that sick of it yet. But I think by this time, I don't know. There's there's so much in this, of, like, about, yeah. about, like, the government surveillance, right, with God's eye, yeah. right? So much about the Patriot Act. So much about the un- unrest and could you trust other human beings? Yeah. Um, in a way that feels a little antiquated, um, because this idea that like we're using the cell phones, it's like, well, yeah, we just know that now. Though. Yeah, of course, everyone <laughs> yeah. like duh. Yeah, that's by far the most aged part of the movie is the whole like <laughs> the whole Morgan Freeman being able to tap into everybody's cell phone and see everything around the city. It's like, oh man, not only does the government do that now, but Google, yeah. Facebook, Russia, and basically in, in Russia, basically every government and every big company is doing this and does it collectively and then sells it to other people. And the movie, though, like, the movie is like, the movie is like, like, uh, almost like nauseated by this idea, right? And he's like, "This is wrong. This is unethical, yeah. right? Like we don't do this." And he's like, "I know that's what you'd say. That's why I gave you a code to put in so it'll blow it all up, so no one could ever use it again." And you're like, "Yeah." Like, we just, as a popular culture, we like foregone conclusion. This is bad. Don't do it. <laughs> and and, yeah. movie, and corporations are like, "This is that's awesome. a great idea." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I. Maybe it, ha- it has aged a lot, but also it's like for me that scene is really important because, <laughs> like, I so I I have gotten into like Ed Snowden like you know biography and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and gone down that rabbit hole of people talking about why this is bad, why this is a big deal because it is, it is a big deal, and we we're so like kind of numb to it that it doesn't even strike us as that. So to like watch a movie where it's treated like a big deal again, it's, I think it's, I think that's still important. Yeah. It's refreshing almost to see it be a big deal. Yeah. To yeah. be openly said like, yeah, this is bad. Do not spy on people. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Morgan Freeman's line delivery is so great on that. Cause like, this is wrong. And you're like, Hey, wait, it is wrong. Like we've been <laughs> complacently accepting this, but yeah, as it's a foregone conclusion. But yeah, this is not a problem that's been fixed. The problem's gotten much, much worse. Yeah, yeah. And I guess then, like, so that idea, I think, is it, it does it has aged poorly just because uh, egg on our face as a society. We, yeah, I don't know. We, if proved, egg, yeah. we proved the Joker right more than Batman right a little bit. I don't know if <laughs> aged poorly is is it, but it's just like it seems. It seems naive to me now. Naive, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it didn't seem that way. It seemed optimistic and hopeful before. Yeah, and now that seems like it's been undone. Yeah, I guess we're forgotten. I, I, I think it's always felt a little naive to me. Like even even first watching it, or maybe not first watching it, but maybe second time watching it in theaters. I was like, 
Yeah, I, you have to be a very particular person to say, I don't want this kind of power. People don't say no to power. I think that, um, that's, what's, that's what's so optimistic about it, though. Yeah. That a CEO yeah, of a big company, whatever, be like... Do something, do something aggressively against self-interest, yes. Something actually good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that sort of... I, th- I see that sort of optimism kind of tied with naivete, but still... But still, I, I hope yeah. for. Maybe I'm naive, but I, I do hope for Morgan Freeman like type people to be out there. And you know, there is Ed Snowden. <laughs> He's my guy. I, I'm really, I'm not even going to comment on that. I, I no, know. nobody comment. He's my guy. He's my Morgan Freeman. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, but as far as the movie itself, um, it's actually kind of hard. I was having a really hard time with the first half of this for a minute. Um, I just have seen so much superhero stuff. It was hard to be brought back to this. I I think retroactively I have been poisoned against enjoying this because of the sheer amount of things that I've seen that are copycats of it. You know, um, that was really hard for me. Like the ideas hmm. presented here seemed so revolutionary at the time, but now they've been hammered to death, I think. Um, the constant like struggle of like, oh, do it, do it keep my identity safe to protect the ones I love or unmask myself to, to mm. save the city. Like those ideas, the ideas of, of like fair and justice versus chaos and, and disorder. Like it just, we've seen this over and over and over like three times a year for Marvel um, to where this one obviously did it best. I don't think anyone is going to ever argue that. I think it had the most complete discussion uh, about these themes, but I, I don't know. Did any, did anyone else feel that? Yeah, I felt it. I felt it to a degree. Yeah, um, I, I also feel like this goes deeper than any Marvel movie does. Oh, for sure. Like its discussion of like the idea of the vigilante. I don't think Marvel has ever like actually tried to to think about that or the idea. They've never been in the same room as that idea. Yeah, they've never really been in the same room <laughs> as that. Like, like I don't know. They probably touched on it, but um, no. <laughs> but like. And, and the idea of, like, you know, in ancient Rome, they would ha- name a dictator for life who would, like, bring the, the city of Rome back. And, like, this idea, like, oh, maybe we should do that. Maybe, like, but what we need is the god's eye. was Caesar, and he didn't want to give up his power Yeah, <laughs> but that's actually a bit of a different case. And, like, I, I mean, it's it's interesting. There's it this guy, Numa. Uh, Numa? Nuva? What was his name? Neva? I don't know. Um, no idea. <laughs> yeah, he closed the gates of war for the first time in hundreds of years. Like it's right. really cool shit. Yeah, um, but uh, uh, like that is a fascinating con- and the idea of like, hey, like we have this technology that we could use one time and get rid of all of the bad things. Like, should we do it? Is this is this why is this why Nolan wants to do an Oppenheimer movie? Probably. This is why. This is probably that's probably going to be what he's discussing. Yeah. 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 Um. I think this, um, to come back to, I, I guess we're on the age topic. And, uh, yeah, yeah like, I, I think I haven't seen a movie, a superhero movie, top the idea of theme and just, like, be so grounded in, like, uh, classical, I, you know, um, not classical ideas. Uh, like, you know. Yeah, it is are. classical they ideas. Are. Like, classical, yeah, I guess classical ideas. Political yeah. ideas. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think we've gotten that in a superhero movie before. But also, it in terms of action movies, I haven't seen another action movie top this movie. Um, in terms of like pacing, in terms of 
of the structure of the way things flow. Like I, I was watching it and realizing that most of this movie is just like a series of like almost short films kind of like spliced together. Mm-hmm. Um, like one right after the others, there's a first scene, which they're, is like the bank scenes, heist Jesse. scene. What? <laughs> they're called scenes. No, but like I'm talking about like full arcs. Yeah. There are full arcs that happen here. And then it starts over like pretty regularly. Um, so there's the, the bank heist scene. And then uh, that's a whole like three minute little, little sequence right there all with its own like little arc and then payoff at the end. You get like a genuine little finale with uh with the Joker and a little epilogue of him driving away. And then it switches to like Batman in the parking garage structure. And then it switches to this whole like 20 minute long thing about having to go to Hong Kong because the you know the mob is in with this guy from Hong Kong and then the Joker steps in it's just like are you sure? And they're like yeah, we're sure. Go you know go after yourself. And then uh Bruce Wayne ends up there and then it ends with, with uh, the guy being brought back to Gotham. And then that starts a whole new story with uh, the Joker starting to terrorize people and saying, everybody's people are going to die tonight. A man of my word or whatever. And then that kind of culminates with him in the, in the penthouse scene. Right. And then right after that, the story kind of switches to Batman seeing like, well, clearly I need to give up my identity right now. And then that yeah. starts that whole story and sequence with, you know, him not doing that. And it's like issues. Continue. It's like issues of like a, a whole arc in a comic book series. Yeah. That's yeah, what that's it feels cool. like. And I, yeah. And there's like this, there's always like this uh, slow ramping up. And then, uh, and then that like, you know, an action, some action filled middle a little bit, like a little, yeah. some tense things going on. And then a finale. I always get a payoff and it's yeah. always really good. Um. You, you yeah. know, that makes me, so the biggest, like, issue I have with the mo- issue, I put that in air quotes, like, I, I don't really have an issue with, I'm not going to nitpick this movie in any way, but, like, the thing that brought it down for me, watching it at this point, was that trip to, to Hong Kong. Yeah. I don't really see the point, <clears throat> um, but thinking it's, about it in, like, issues, yeah. like, that makes me like it more. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, like, if I'm reading a comic book, like, we're gonna, like, they need to extend this a little bit, like, they need to make sure we buy a few more issues, so, like... Like yeah, we're gonna go to Hong Kong and do that skyhook thing. Skyhook. Okay, that. Okay, so the, so two the, the two main reasons I see right is that they needed to to um, get away to eliminate the mob funds for the story, right? Yeah. And the second one was to preview the the cell phone thing. Right. Right. Because yeah. they, they couldn't just have it come out Deus Ex Machina. They had to do it early in the movie so you could see it's round. So when you see it's check out God's Eye. Yes. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it would be Deus Ex God's Eye, and that would be really upsetting. That'd be really annoying if that happened. But I hate, I hate the skyhook. I think it's really dumb. Skyhook. It's it's so stupid. You, it, it looks pretty stupid too. It looks bad. That's probably the thing that's aged the worst. The, yeah, it's just the, 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 the cops like facing him, and he's like waiting there, and he's the like, fucking balloon goes up, <laughs> and they're just like um, not shooting. But it never. It never he has it never a hostage. Comes, yeah, but it never comes yeah. back. It never comes yeah. back again, and it's the only thing in this movie that doesn't come back again. That's the thing. Everything else is like seen. It's it's recurring, like you're saying. And the skyhook's yeah. the only thing that's just a thing. Yeah, you know? they just had some I, budget I, I, I to don't... spend. They're like, let's go to Hong Kong. I guess yeah. we flipped they a probably... we flipped a semi. What else can we do with all of this money? <laughs> <laughs> but also, I love the visual of Batman circling around the building. Ah, oh, man, that I love that. There are some cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fun. It's yeah. a fun place to be for sure. Yeah, it's, it's like, not. It's not like super, 
Yeah, it's not the best scene, but like I, I still have a, a good time with it. I went to the bathroom. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's kind of cool and unique about this movie is that, as opposed to a lot of their other kind of action superhero movies, the kind of the mechanics of the plot, especially the crime plot and the Rico case, it seems like a lot of movies like this would just kind of hand wave away that stuff. But it seems like no one really tries to explain all the steps and what's happening and uh, mm-hmm. all the machinations of what's happening. Uh, so in that way, it makes sense that um, he would need this elaborate plan to bring back Lau. And, yeah. Uh, and then, the and then you get justice. invested, and and you start under, and then you realize how fundamental Batman is for for Gotham, um, like beyond beyond just being a superhero that fights the bad guys because he can do the things that nobody else can do. Period. Uh, he can go above and beyond the law, which we've always known, but I feel like we get it like, an extra punch in the face that way with the Hong Kong scene. Yeah, um, and it gives you yeah. kind of a cool perspective of what's probably been happening between Batman Begins and this movie where there's this cool teamwork between the cops and Batman where they're kind of tag mm-hmm. teaming and he's helping them when they can't do things legally. You know? Yeah. And this mm-hmm. should be the whole finale of everything that they've been working for. Yes. Since, yeah. Since between the movies and now. Um, I, I yeah. just think it's weird how they throw away the Lao character. Um, it, like he dies kind of off screen, like literally just off screen. He dies. Yeah. And gets burned to death in money. Yeah, <laughs> but I, th- I feel like to they should have made that that be more because he's so important to the first half of the movie. And then I remember when I was in theaters watching it, I just completely didn't. I just completely forgot about him. Yeah, you know. But he's such a big deal for the first half, and then they show him on top of the pile of money. Then they pan down, and then you they never pan back up. You know. And I think there should have been something because it's a big image. The accountant gets burned alive on top of money, right? Yeah, it's a very cool dramatic image. But I don't know. Sh- pan back up, <laughs> like watch the flames rise or something. I, I always thought that was weird. They just kind of like hand wave the accountant away. Um, Although I think if you think about his his role in the movie, it seems like once he gets captured by Batman, he's really just he's less of a character and a person and more just an asset that people are trying to control and move yeah. around. I know, you but know, he kind of seems to be a. Person. But he was a character, and and he insulted the Joker, which is why the Joker's like going so far out of his way, like to. To kill him you know yeah like he didn't he didn't have to break him out and then put him on top of a pile of money and burn him like but he did it's yeah. really vindictive yeah. yeah i mean i i think it would have been good to get the the shot up of, of him burning well i guess not actually burning i wouldn't have wanted that but maybe just like flames around him that would have been good but also i do kind of thematically like the idea of accountant who like you know made money appear or disappear mysteriously also mysteriously disappearing in a pile of money yeah what's gonna happen to all that money (laughs) (laughs) i I think that we went to hong kong because christian bale and morgan freeman required were required to have more scenes in their contract (laughs) together i I want to have yeah just in general i mean like i want to have another scene christian bale's like i need people to make sure they know i am batman so that i I am Batman. Batman. Did you guys get the memo? I am a method actor. I am Batman. Yeah. Um, so then I guess talking but, about... But just, just to like close out that question, like mm-hmm. our current culture is like pretty... I, I feel like uh, it, it's it's pretty um, uh, hopeless, like pretty jaded about this sort of stuff. And so like to have this today would be really weird, right? Like I, I feel like, like, I don't know, I feel that way. Um, that's why it feels naive um, we've seen a lot of stuff not happen and a lot of people act badly 
Um, and, and that that's, I, I don't know if that's to say that the movie has aged badly, um, but just to say like, it feels very weird to think about it in today's yeah. climate. And I think, I think that that's what I was going to loop into the, okay. with one of the next questions yeah. is, um, you know, who, who's right about people, right? Um, huh. Is it the Joker or is it Batman? And I, I mean, my answer would, would still be Batman because I think people are more good than bad, even despite the overwhelming evidence to the contrary that we've been given, um, especially in recent years, uh, politically. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I still, I still go back and forth. I mean, yes. Are some people bastard cover bastards of bastards filling? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, are some people uncommonly nice and amazing? Yes. And there's still like that, that rule of logic. It's not Occam's razor. It's the other guy's razor. The one that says don't ascribe to malice. What could be, de- um, described to incompetence or laziness. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I love that one. Yeah. Arkham's razor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. I don't think it's Arkham's razor. It's a, it's a different guy's razor. But I do think about that a lot. Like, razor. Are people evil or are they just lazy? And you know what? Honestly, it is just laziness. Just and it so is just I did it wrong and I didn't do it right. It's more that than malice. It really is. But it's still so frustrating when it when it feels like malice. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It, I, I don't think the Joker's right, but just barely. <laughs> Well, the movie's, yeah. the movie's saying that, isn't it? Right? Like, they both throw out, or they neither of them blow up the other both. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was thinking about that when I, I was rewatching it today, and I think the movie is a lot less hopeful than it appears on the surface. Because if you think about that boat scene, the majority of the people, the civilians on the one boat, vote to blow up the other boat. Yeah. And I know voting to blow up a boat is not the same thing as blowing up a boat, mm-hmm. but it is a moral decision. And most of them make the wrong moral decision. Right. Yeah. And it seems like at the end, the conclusion that Gordon and Batman come to is not people are inherently good, but people are very fragile and we need a lie in order yeah. to keep people hopeful enough to keep going the right way. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if the movie is actually hopeful. I, I kind of wondered about that too this time around. Like, I think the movie does have hope. I think the hope is, generally speaking, that if there are a few good people, somehow, because goodness is maybe better than badness or something, somehow those good people can hold things together. Um, somehow, even though there are a majority of bad people on on the boat who vote to blow up the other boat, at the end of the day, no one will choose to do it. Or because there's one guy who steps forward and throws it out the window, even though I probably would assume most of them would just push the button or turn the key or whatever. Um, it looks like they wanted to. Doesn't that seem in a way even more insidious that there's these people who are willing to, who are choosing the evil, but don't have the, the guts to do it themselves. That just kind of sounds like human nature though. Yeah. It sounds like Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. The voting is Facebook. Like that's, but when it comes to the actual decision of affecting the Maybe that's why we've gotten so jaded is because we've just gotten more and more online. Everyone got a detonator, yeah. except that it doesn't yeah. do anything when you push the button. Other just, than, it just yells yeah. at people. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel I feel like uh, Aaron Sorkin came in to write the boat scene. Yeah, like, it, it really feels <laughs> like that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So on, on the version I had, it like it actually switched to like widescreen from like full screen for it, that. It does what? that a couple times in the movie. Yeah, it does that a couple oh, times. Really? Was that the original? No, because um, Nolan filmed certain sequences in IMAX. Yeah, okay. And then the other sequences he couldn't afford to. Okay. 
So, because okay. they literally, I think, did not they, have Because they went to Hong Kong. They didn't have enough um, uh, film to do it. And it would yeah. take way too long because the IMAX cameras are huge. Yeah, yeah. So they did certain sequences, like they did the, I think, the car chase scene. They did the bank heist scene okay. and a few of them in full IMAX. And the rest of them is scaled down to your regular. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That's where I really noticed it, though. It's yeah. like, it's like, this is different. Why is the aspect ratio moving? Why is it different? <laughs> What's wrong with my TV? What's wrong with Christopher Nolan? <laughs> well, I think the other yeah. thing is that what I heard is that um, IMAX is not very good for scenes with dialogue because the cameras are actually pretty loud. Mm. So if you notice in that opening scene with the bank, the bank heist, uh, all of the dialogue of the gang members talking to each other sounds a little strange. And it's because it was ADR. Yeah. It was added in post. I mean, it's a brilliant because idea the cameras though, are too to, loud give, to do it in. To give everyone a mask so you can't see their faces anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's great. Be saying anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had roast beef last night. <laughs> um, all right. I, I did have an idea about about this. I want to throw it by you guys. I I was kind of struck by maybe maybe Batman and the Joker's idea of people really isn't that dissimilar. Um, and mm. I it was um, because Joker says the reason why they didn't blow each other up is because they haven't been crippled yet. But guess what? He's got his ace in the hole. That's Harvey Dent. As soon as they find that out, as soon as they find out what he's done, then everybody will blow each other up. Because he just needs to break people first. It's madness. He just says you just need to push him. And then um, it's like gravity. Um, and I think the Bat I think Batman thinks that's true too. I think that's why he has to do the lie at the end um, in order to make sure people don't blow each other up. I think him and the I think him and the Joker basically think the same thing about people and recognize that fragility in everybody. I think maybe they just differ in maybe in this case the timing. Like the Joker is wrong in his timing almost. It's like no 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 you need to break them a little more before they could do this right. You're wrong about that Joker. Um, and also, I, I think the Batman seems to be more pushing for this governmental system to to stay and to be upheld. Um, he wants this system to function. And the Joker says, no, it should all crumble. It should all just fade away. I think, yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure I, if I their could... differences are about people. I mean, he does, he does say when he's under Joker's boot, you're wrong. People are good. <laughs> he um, says that. He says but that. It almost but seems like it's what he wants to believe, but maybe that's not what he actually believes. I mean, he he does dress up as a bat and he beats people within inches of their lives. Um, yeah. But no, he he is he does have an idealistic streak that Dent brought out in him. But that idealism, in a lot of ways. So the first one, he starts out wanting uh, people to fear the way he fears, right? And the second one, he's he wants to be with with Rachel now that the city is kind of stabilizing because the police force has gotten kind of on top of the criminal underworld. It's not as corrupt as it was, right? Uh, we've gotten rid of the mob you know, in a large portion, right? We've got these last last guys here. I mean, Carmine Falcone's gone, right? And a big thing, though, is that he wants to be with Rachel. He can do that if he's not Batman. Well, how can he not be Batman if society is better? How is society going to be better if Harvey Dent's there? Because Harvey Dent is is the man with the plan, right? So he has to set up Harvey to, so he can leave. He believes in people because Harvey made him believe in people because Harvey's the first person since himself who is making a huge difference here, right? Like, if you remember, even Gordon couldn't do anything until Batman helped him. 
Gordon was just getting along, just not 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 taking a slice, as Flash says, right? And a big thing here is that uh, Harvey's made him believe in this so that he can be in love with Rachel. And once that's taken away from him, and once Harvey's kind of taken away from him, he's left with this recourse, like, okay, what's the only way we can do this? It still has to be Harvey. We hang everything on Harvey because that's how society can continue, and I still am fading away. You know, he, he when he leaves, the watchful protector, right? He's gone, as we find out in, ba- in Dark Knight Rises. He, he left. He disappeared after that fateful night when he's known as a criminal. He became the ultimate scapegoat, right, um, for all of our sins. And I, I think he does... He, I don't think it's naivete on his part. I think that he's just doing everything he can to give society a leg up yeah. in any way possible. And that's this way. And I think he believes that society can do it if they have the tools. Whereas I think Joker fundamentally doesn't think that society works in any way. Right. Well, I, th- I think this is, this is a really great sequel because it really builds on the first one in interesting ways where in Batman begins, there's a lot of talk about uh, both with, with Bruce Wayne, but also with, um, Ra's al Ghul about legend and about becoming more than a man. And it seems like starting in Batman Begins and moving into this movie, Batman's goal is not simply to clean up Gotham. I mean, that is the goal, but his method for doing that is to create a legend, right? To create this larger than life figure, almost a supernatural figure that can simultaneously inspire hope and uh, in good people and strike fear in the hearts of the, the criminals. Um, and then it's interesting that in two different occasions in this movie, um, the scene where the Joker has one of the fake Batmans and he's doing the video. And then also in the scene at the, uh, fundraiser when there's the old man and they both say a similar thing, which is like, Batman has taught us. We don't have to be afraid of scum like you. Mm -hmm. So it seems like if Batman's ultimate plan here is to create almost to, to change the psyche of the city to create this this um, this image of hope and justice, uh, the Joker becomes the perfect villain because he's not he's not about killing Batman. He's not about you know corrupting people or um, you know taking over the city. He's about breaking that almost illusion that Batman has created. Yeah. Oh, you do, Brian. You really do. He's he's a he's the true MythBuster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I guess in talking about that, I mean it's an interesting discussion. Um, I think that it can be viewed in a, in a lot of different ways. I think the movie is open to that. I think that's why it's so much fun to talk about. Um, well, so well, well what about Harvey Dent? Like, what does Harvey Dent do to that conversation? Like, is Harvey like Harvey Dent is the golden boy who dies? I'm sorry, I, you wanted to move forward. No, I want to stay right here. Um, I just hadn't said anything in a while. I kind of thought you were checked out. Oh yeah, no, no, I'm I'm listening to you guys. Um, I think Harvey Dent is fascinating. I don't really know what to make of his part in this conversation or this duel between Batman and the Joker. He's, you know, he's half Batman, half the Joker. He's chaos in order. He uses a coin. Um, There is order in coin flips. um, And there is also chaos in it, right? Like this is, this is freaking Anton Chigurh, man. Like there's principles here, but it's, how, how does that change things or, or what is he saying like does he, he doesn't end well like he doesn't end doing the right thing does he no no i i don't, I don't think yeah. that's right um it makes it makes sense as a as a character piece that someone that would be so committed and devoted and so single-minded almost simple uh, of a person 
um, that he would kind of flip like this when the ultimate disorder happens, right? Because remember, he and Rachel are talking, and they're like, they're going to come for you. And she's like, I know, I don't want him to. Um, and then they did go for her. Well, Batman says he's going for her, and then Joker switched him, right? Yeah, and Joker yeah. switched him. Yeah. Because um, they went for Harvey, and Batman went for Rachel. And that was, of course, the ultimate little F you. Um, I guess seeing him break like that, I, I did have a little bit of trouble seeing him break down so completely. Um, it's bad. It's really bad. Uh, I don't know if it's... But also... Are you worried about it being believable? Or... It's such a jump. It's well, such a jump for the character. They... I think they actually explained that. Because the first time Harvey... Or not Harvey. Uh, Commissioner Gordon sees him. He says, what did they used to call me? He said, yeah. they used to call you Two-Face. Which, maybe... I mean, you know, maybe that, he that, wasn't that, just that seems great. Like movie but... foreshadowing, but we don't, we never see that. There's never evidence of that. There's it's never evidence that he's a that pragmatist. He well, no, no, we get evidence he's a pragmatist and he's willing to go across the line of the law. Like he's, he's willing Batman, to let Batman do it. He's willing to let Batman do it first, so and then boring. after letting Batman do it, he takes uh, Das to das, uh, He takes the crazy guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he's interrogating him. I know, I know there's something darker there, but he that guy was never in any danger. Yeah, right. He wasn't in any danger, and we know that because we're outside. But yeah. like, like there's something about this guy. There's a little bit of darkness that he's flirting with, and that's fine as, until he loses love of his life and half his face, and his brain is like half melted, yeah. and he's in like. He's refusing all sorts look, of pain look, killers. I, I, like, know, I know it's a comic book movie. I know that. Yeah. I don't need that. I don't need to be handheld through that. But it, it's it's a big leap, and his character yeah. is really important um, to, to sell this arc. And the jump the jump between the two of them never 100% worked for me. Oh, yeah. It never 100% worked because everyone else is so painstakingly explained. Like, Batman's emotional arc, Gordon's emotional arc, or Joker's lack of an arc, right? Yeah, that's all sold to me so well that the the this moment, this crucial moment between the the flipping of Dent, they they do set it up, they do foreshadowing, they do say Harvey Two Face, but I just it, it's just a little too far. So when it comes to what is what is the character of Harvey Dent saying, it makes it a little harder for me because it feels like they jumped a little bit to get to the end point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think I, you're I, right, I, but I think. Um... I think part of the problem is that Harvey Dent has to be a white knight at the beginning, and then he has to be a villain at the end. Mm -hmm. And maybe it seems like you could do that transition if this was a Harvey Dent movie. The problem is it's primarily a Joker movie, so there just isn't time in the movie to really uh, work through that transformation. So they I think actually, they actually did it last year with Batman: The Long Halloween, the animated movie. Oh yeah, that was three hours long, <laughs> and that's primarily a Two Face movie. It takes a long time. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that was that was my point. Is that yeah? Like I, I think I, I agree with you, but I think given the constraints of having this be sort of a secondary villain, they did. Tristan Nolan did as good of a job as he could have. I think. Yeah, I. Well, maybe to. To add to that, I, I do agree. Yeah, I guess I do agree that uh, the jump is, is a bit much. But again, well, what, what I love about my boy Nolan is he does the misdirection thing. And this time the misdirection is simply the, the, the plot structure that I mentioned earlier. You get so sucked up into the little stories that sometimes, that when there's like an unbelievable arc or there is a huge gaping plot hole, 
he just kind of waves it away because you get set up in the next really interesting story. And so when he becomes Two-Face, it's the start of a new, very interesting story that I immediately get sucked up in. So I don't even really care that it's not 100% believable. I just I just love it. Yeah, and I, I'm not even talking about you being 100%. I just, if, if we're going to talk about the themes of the movie, and we're talking about this yin-yang, unsolvable force, immovable object of Joker, and where Harvey fits into that, it's just really Im- it would be really important for me to have that character as nailed down as, as a part of the, 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 the trio. And I don't feel that I, like much more attention is given to these two to the point where when we come, when we come along to talking about the theme of the movie and how Harvey works into it, it feels a little underdeveloped to me. Yeah. That's um, fair. That's it fair. comes across but, okay. well, but it's just, a, it's 80% baked. Okay. But, but, but Harvey at the end of the movie, Harvey yeah. at the end of the Two Face, like I think of him as sort of the love child between Joker and Batman, yeah. and he's this ordered chaos that's just like a total mess, and he's going to kill everybody. He's he's awful, yeah. Um, and he doesn't do the right thing at the end. He has fallen from the White Knight to being evil, and in the end, he has to die. Yeah. Um, and so we're left with Batman, and so like in terms of like who's right about people, the Joker or Batman, Harvey Dent says that. It feels to me that the movie's saying that the Joker's right. People are, in the end, if pushed to an extreme, going to do the wrong thing. And what the good people do is uh, tell a lie. I think it's. I think it showed tell, you. Tell I think it showed you lie. two. I think it showed you two examples, though. Yeah. It showed you that, but it showed you the boat too. Yeah, but but that's not the end of the movie. Yeah, it's, it's true. I think it's, it's I think it's pretty even handed, like mm-hmm. like with the rest of it. Like it's I, that's why that's why I was trying to say like it's fun to talk about because I you can say there's a definite answer and you could be pretty right and you could say one or the other and I think you'd be pretty right, but I think the movie doesn't it, it doesn't come down and say boom here it is, mm-hmm. which is why it's fun because if it's it just true. did that then it would and then know. And, and this is life this is all of yeah. life we're like well mm-hmm. are people good or bad we're like well we got this thing where someone like saved a person in a tree or. Uh, no, and we got this other thing where things are horrible and storm. Yeah. We storm the capital. Yeah, <laughs> that's horrible. Don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Is that is that more of an answer for you? Yeah, it is. It's fleshed out. Okay. All right. Yeah. Or or burned off as it may be. <laughs> Just get a skin graft from your butt. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit more about the Joker since it's, he's so big in this. Um, so Joker says he's like a dog chasing cars. He wouldn't know what to do with one if he caught it. He just needs to do it, right? Um, he also talks at certain times about not having a plan. He talks about how it's all about gravity. Um, it's clear this is a this is a a plan that more than more than anything relies on just the best, the most absurd luck in the world. But even going beyond that, what what's the point of this, right? Like, he tells the confusing origin stories, so we don't really know where he's come from. He's a man out of nowhere, and Alice Alfred said he's here to just watch the world burn. Is is there more to this? Or do you guys think there's more to this? I, I do. Like, watching it this time around, I think I, I was mentioning something. He he gets mad. Right? People that get mad, it's it's generally because they are being misunderstood, which means for the Joker, I think there is something to understand. Um, I, and I think what to understand is, uh, I, I think he wants people to not 
um, what's what's he wants to like everybody to acknowledge our true selves. I think he's t- he's tired of all the bullshit. He's tired of people hiding behind their their titles and their um and their awards and their uh and their structure in life to say that they are good people. Um, I think he thinks that I, it seems like he got stripped of all that all that away, probably intentionally, maybe accidentally. I don't know. Um, but he is out to make sure everybody else experiences that too, because he's tired of this, this stupid bullshit lie. Yeah. Yeah. I love that line that, um, that Harvey Dent says in the, in that final scene where he says, uh, you thought we could be decent men and in decent times. And it seems like that that is what the Joker is after is that, uh, you know, he also says, you know, I'm just ahead of the curve that mm. it seems like he has this idea that he recognizes that moat that society, like society is a structure is an illusion and that people are only as, well, what does he say? People are only as good as society allows them to be. Yeah. That, and it, it, it's interesting that I don't, what do you guys think of this? That, that does that line that um, Batman says when in the final confrontation with the Joker, where he says that, uh, I can't remember the exact line, but he basically says that the, what the Joker was trying to do was prove that everyone was as ugly as he was. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's all the Joker is doing? Because that always struck me as kind of a simplistic take from the Batman about Joker. I, I feel like the Batman doesn't think very highly of Joker. Yeah. <laughs> He's trash. He kills for money. Trash. But like, is, is that all it is? Is that he is... He is he is self loathing and he wants to prove that everyone else is as bad as he is. I know because that seems sort of shallow to me. I think it's a little more, dare I say, noble than that. Mm. I think he wants everybody to acknowledge the truth, something that's very real. They, um, not just that they that they're as ugly as he is, but well, no, maybe that's it. But he can. <laughs> I don't know. But it's not. It's not. It's not vindictive. Um, I don't think it's like him out to like make himself feel better. Yeah, it's not to make himself feel better. It's for other people to understand, to see what he sees. Um, that's why he gets so frustrated, and people call him a freak. He feels it, he is misunderstood. Look, look, he's just an artist, just trying he's to express himself through his art. <laughs> he just paints in blood, other people's blood. But don't don't, yeah. don't harsh his don't don't yuck his yum, you know. I always thought, like, the line that he says, like, what Gotham needs is a better class of criminals was really, um... Is that your Joker voice? Uh, that's my bad Joker. <laughs> I, I did it better earlier. Um, <laughs> what Gotham needs is a better class of criminals. Like, that was a... I, that was always a fascinating line to me. Like, it's not about... It's not about himself. It's not about money. It's like, you're all, you're all just interested in money. You know, like, it, we need to do something. He's, like, in in it for the the principle of the thing like there needs to be a force of chaos in this world like that's just pushing people to the breaking point and breaking them mm-hmm. and that's who i am um and that it's not I, about money it's about it's, sending a message yeah and like <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah, and that's like why he keeps telling all these different origin stories like who he is doesn't matter he is not a person he doesn't exist he's a force um, he is the yang to Batman's yin, like order and chaos. The, the ego. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, so I think, I, I guess that, I guess... It is noble. I guess there's more maybe. stuff. <laughs> like, but the thing about, that's always classically Batman, right, is that Batman always reduces how much the Joker means or who the Joker is. He's always incredibly reductive and, like, mean about it. Um, and, and to the point where, like, so many Riddlers, I mean, so many Jokers get really offended. Like, like in Arkham, like, he's like, what are you talking about? We're best friends. Like, don't do this to me, Batman. <laughs> um, or in, or even in the Lego Batman movie. Like, that's, that's, like, the main thing of that movie is that the Joker's so hurt that Batman doesn't think they're friends. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's so consistent with the lore for Batman to always underestimate him because it's important for Batman to, to class him as, as just a low-life criminal. Because Batman doesn't have a peer, Right. Batman does not have someone that could do what he does. And he doesn't even have someone that could do the opposite of what he does. He's like, there's me, and then I'm up here, and then there's there's a whole lot of spaces. And then there's you, scum that kills for money. Um, and he has to believe he's there, because if he believes otherwise, uh, it, I think his whole worldview becomes really destabilized, you know, to the point where he has to stop being Batman, right? Um, yeah. So again, like, like the other question, too, about who's right, it's hard because does he just want to watch the world burn? Yes. Is there a little bit more to it? Yes. Is there a lot more to it? No. No, I don't think there's a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you have, yeah. If he's just a force of evil, a force of evil can only be so deep. It's going to yeah. be one thing and probably one thing only to corrupt. He's um, also kind of like an annoying younger brother. He's a, he's a real little kid in yeah. a lot of ways, yeah. I wonder yeah. If, if if he's like Jonathan Nolan, you know? <laughs> Wait, which one's older? <laughs> I think Chris, Chris is older, yeah. Yeah, Chris is older. Yeah. I, wonder, yeah. Um, I, I thought of him as a child, especially when he, when, he, when Batman's with the dogs. Yeah. And he goes over and he's like kicking him and he's, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a kid thing. And then, and then he beats the dogs up because he's like, oh, shit, I want to beat Batman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> having so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like he's just there to like, kind of piss off his older brother, yeah. Batman. Like, hey, this is fun. I'm gonna, you know, harsh your mellow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and he wants Batman to view it that familiarly, you know. Yeah. And Batman's like, no, f- you, uh, trash. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the ending? Should we talk about the? I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but does it work for you, for you? You said it does. It's my favorite. Yeah, it's your favorite scene. Um. So like the ending, uh, Batman says, uh, you know, I have to, I have to run away. Um, you have to, um, like tell them that I killed Harvey Dent. I killed Harvey Dent. Yeah. Um, does that work? Does it make sense, uh, for, for you guys, for Letney? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think it especially makes sense with, cause I think the movie in some ways is sort of the logical extension of what Batman is trying to do when faced with a proper adversary where he has, like I was saying earlier, it seemed to me that he has this, this mission of creating this, um, this mythos of Batman and that, that, that image, that hope is more important than anything. And it seems like the Joker is the only one who understands that and pushes back against that. And it forces Batman in two occasions to do something that is immoral to protect his ultimate goal right where he does the thing with the the nsa cell phone thing where he said okay i'll do something bad but i'll just do it once that's okay 
And then he says, okay, we'll lie to everyone because we have to protect this image. So, well, I think it's a, you know, maybe it's not a morally justifiable conclusion. I think, I think it is sort of a logical conclusion of what Batman is trying to do. And he's already so he's already so compromised um, values wise. I mean, again, he's a vigilante, right? Like yeah. that's actually yeah. the first thing he does that's wrong. <laughs> uh, it's it's absolutely wrong to take the law into your own hands in this way, right? Um, and I think that's what's really smart about the the character, the the slippery slope that began back in Batman Begins, right? Because even in, even in Batman Begins, he makes his first concession when he doesn't save uh, Ra's al Ghul, right? I'm not going to kill you, but that doesn't mean I have to save you, right? And yeah. he thinks that's like some sort of loophole. Uh, to getting around that, but no, you definitely killed that guy. Uh, sorry, Batman, you have murdered somebody, and it was Ra's al Ghul. Um, someone die when you can save them is killing them. Exactly. Ding, 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 yes, ding. but I think it's really smart though that they started all the way back there, his own moral corruption, right? And they trace it all the way to here, where he's making this this step. Okay, and I have to ask. Maybe this doesn't this doesn't matter, right? But they say uh, if Harvey is found to have killed all these people, then it undoes all the work that we've done. Um, and I guess that was never really clear to me why that was. Yeah. Well, it's the same. Um, it's the same plot point as they use in. Have you guys seen Insomnia? Yeah. Where yes. it's the idea that if a cop is proven to be corrupt, then all of his cases are re-examined, right? Well, it's because well, it's different in that one because he definitely did something wrong, right? Yeah, that's right. true. And and with Harvey, I know they call him Two Face, and I know he did do this interrogation thing, but it's really just for the murders of these cops after he's turned into Two-Face, right? Yeah. So why why can't all the criminals he put away just be in jail, and then it's like, oh, but he turned out to be a murderer? I, yeah, well, yeah, I think the logic is that if it's proven that people. he is... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I mean, like, uh, it's just... Uh, to me, I always thought, like, this guy went crazy after horrible shit happened to him, and he somehow was able to murder people. Like, that's just a different human basically acting here like this isn't actually harvey dent this isn't the da like this is this is someone he wasn't different. acting as the da either he was just yeah, acting. I, as... you, you guys are bringing up the da thing and i i've never thought of it from from that angle before that literally i've never thought of it as like all of his work will no, be they, undone they say it though i yeah i i i i, I, I thought yeah, it I think was Batman more about saying in that final scene i, I think they he does symbolism yeah, I, I always took it as like the symbolism thing. It's it's about it's about the just as like Batman is a legend for people, so that way they say oh, I don't have to be afraid of you anymore. And Harvey Dent is the person who has to come up and say uh, he can take on the mantle of, of Batman basically publicly, uh, so there doesn't have to be a Batman anymore because there will be a righteous system in place to make sure the the criminals are being thrown behind bars. Finally. That's what they would finally get. They would finally get an uncorrupt government, and people can, or at least somebody fighting that at all times within, and everybody would have assurance of that. And they are they've been living in such shit where there are only like, there's only Commissioner Gordon, him, and Batman, who's not even part of the system. Right? He's has to work outside of it, and that's their only hope. So if people, if everybody knew that, and everybody saw that this guy fell. Then they the, the city would be would be gone. They would say there's there's nothing left for us. There is like there's basically Batman and yeah Batman would be the best thing about Gotham. 
And that could you imagine if that the best thing was somebody who just beat the shit out of people at night? I mean, that was what Batman Begins was about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I okay. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not hung up. It, I was just got, really confused yeah. by it uh, all these years. I guess because he keeps saying like all of our work is undone um, to Gordon, and I, I just I didn't I didn't know what, what was yeah. going on. Yeah, I've always taken it as, like, the work done on Gotham's soul. It seems like it's about... Because, like, at the beginning, they're so close. They're so close because all the criminals are... Or the, the mob. They're all about to be locked up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then maybe they're they wouldn't even... all the funds, like, the, the ways that they can get money. Yeah. They've, like, yeah. found the guy. Like, yeah. Uh, also, they're not behind bars yet. So there won't be anybody left to prosecute. Because the only other person that would have done that was Rachel Dodds, and she died. There's a lot of other yeah. DAs, but yeah. they're probably all corrupt. So yeah, actually, exactly. You need an uncorrupt one, be, yeah. and he's gone and dead. Rattle the cages. Yeah, it makes sense in like comic book logic, but yeah. I mean, from a real life perspective, it would be like, listen, this guy, like, he did so many good things for Gotham, and then after his face burned off in a horrible. <laughs> Like and his fiance got blown and up. And his fiance got blown up, and he lost all of his hopes and dreams. Also, and somehow was still alive. And for some reason, the doctors didn't like sedate him with morphine, and no one took him out of the hospital. Yeah. And the Joker gave him a gun. He went out and killed all of the people. Also, also the who, also the commissioner was killed. You know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, and then and then he went out and killed all of the people who were responsible for their death. And then there was like this weird little thing with Jim Gordon, and like that's you know, like let's yeah. just not not talk about that because it was like I mean it was kind of his fault because he hired these people who were like, but but basically he went crazy after like a bunch of horrible shit happened and all the things he did before. Like he's still like let's keep that image holy. Um, I feel like as a society we would actually be kind of okay with that. Yeah, I feel like. Maybe it's just that in these latter days, all of our heroes have crumbled to dust. But. I mean, we still got people like, you know, it wasn't until very recently that R. Kelly got some justice hurts. <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I mean, Chris Brown is still working. Um, just, yeah, it, how, how we treat heroes in society is always an interesting yeah. question because it seems very uh, arbitrary. Yeah. But in terms of, like, comic book, movie logic like yes it, it makes sense enough. it works it enough. makes sense and like we get an ending where batman has to sacrifice himself for the city which i think is necessary for this movie's end batman has yeah. to sacrifice himself yeah but I'll, to, all right I'm, I'm not gonna harp on whether or not this is really realistic because i would argue most movie is like massive gaping plot holes or whatever and isn't actually that realistic i i see it as more like a grand tale of of, of somebody's soul but I don't think people would be for Harvey dead because I think all the news headlines would read <laughs> DA turned murderer <laughs> blames it on Joker. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, by the way, he looks real ugly. See, uh, see facial reconstruction surgery. See how it's going. Yeah. Looks like we, Michael we, we, Jackson. We, 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 We'd be checking in on him a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In prison. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I don't think people would. I think he'd be the subject of every gossip columnist ever, because that is a juicy story, and it would be pretty bad. I, yeah, I don't know. I. It's just that when you see a movie so many times, and it means so much, and it was so formative for you, when you look back at it, when you get older, there's just stuff that doesn't work as well uh, for you. There just there just is, and it was really mm. actually kind of painful for me in watching The Dark Knight, 
Um, the stuff that did still work really did. And the stuff that didn't work really didn't. Um, and I was it, like kind of turned off at certain points. I was like, ah, oh, damn, like this is not doing it for me the way it used to do it for me. Why? It's like, it's like I'm not getting my fix. My fix isn't happening. Where am I going to go for my fix? And I'm really, I'm really hoping that Dark Knight Rises is like so much better than I remember it being because I've only watched that movie like twice. Um, I hope I get blown out of the water by that thing. Um, but this is still, this is still like a really good time for me, and it's still really important, and it still does good things. Um, it just, just not the heights that I remember. Just not the heights, and it, it makes, it makes me a little sad, and it makes me feel kind of yeah. like a jerk for, for saying that. But just, just really personally, that's how I feel. I'm not trying to be woke or right. Yeah, it's just really personal how I feel about this one, and it always has been. Well, hearing you say that you've watched it like once every night for like a year straight, like if I had done that with this movie, I wouldn't like it either. Because part of the thrill for this movie for me is just getting sucked into it, and like, and like all the twists and turns that the story takes. I think you have to like not remember it absolutely perfectly. Yeah, to fully enjoy it. There are just shots that are just like burned, burned in yeah. my head. Yeah, like yeah. That, that will never go away. Even if even if my estimation of this movie falls, my affection stays. Yeah. Um, you know, I forgot to say at the top, I haven't watched this movie in over ten years. Probably ten years. Nice. Um, I've oh. probably only seen it three times. Oh wow. Yeah. How'd you do that? Um, I don't know. We went to the same Wait. college. It was it was on in someone's room at all times. Yeah, yeah. I just like when it was on. I was like, I don't want to see it again because I don't want to ruin it. Uh, like I yeah. want to see it again in ten years and love it as much as the first time. I don't have that. Oh, was that was yeah. that the case, Mike? Um, I think I loved it a little bit differently. I don't know if it was less or mm. more. Um, I don't know if it was less. I know it wasn't more. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you guys are saying, watching it as an older man. Um. This is more the story of Harvey Dent for me than anything. I was really here for Harvey. That's Joker was not as big of a deal no. to me this time around. Like, he was interesting, but I almost feel, I mean, we haven't really talked very much about Heath Ledger. Um, but uh, it was a little weird to go back and watch it, like, knowing, I mean, like, the reason why he, he passed away was because of sort of his involvement with the movie and what he did to himself, right? Um, through it and to like try to do the method actor sort yeah. of approach and isolating himself and then you know a lot of drugs that were mixed and matched by different providers yeah um incredibly preventable and yeah just insane that it happened but like the headspace he got into to do it and and you see the work like the work is phenomenal yeah um and incredible and it's it, it's funny though you're right because but, but it at the almost time, feels I didn't like know Heath Ledger and yeah. now now I've seen more of his movies I'm like what <laughs> yeah Heath Ledger and the Joker uh, the Joker didn't fig figure in half as much to my watching it my interest in the movie was not half as much in him as it was in Harvey yeah. it wasn't at all really in, in Christian Bale and Batman um, it was Harvey and, and that was fascinating to me because it was the real character who falls um, and I wonder if that was really the story all along yeah um, and there's something too in there that, that makes me sad that Heath Ledger tragically met his end for this character for this movie um it's incredible what he's doing here it's unbelievable but but for this character but for this <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and, and that's like I, I don't know if you'd ever like not ask that question um no matter what the role was like for this um like but if, if daniel day lewis's last movie is phantom thread i won't ask that question you know what I mean? 
I yeah. sometimes sometimes there's a last movie that you can do, and I love like again the work is phenomenal. There's nothing is one of the greatest performances I've seen. It's so transformative, right? I I've seen Heath Ledger in Ten Things I Hate About You, and holding up the two of these movies, you can't recognize the guy. Yeah, in anything, in mannerisms, in, in speech patterns, he's completely a chameleon, right? But but in the end, the character is 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 a provocation, right, to Batman. Um, yeah, I wanted it's more from the Joker. so much discussion <laughs> for me and like so much thought and like I mm-hmm. I had such a good time when I saw it when I was young and and stuff and now you know older it's it's a little more tinged with I don't know something sorrow there's sorrow yeah yeah that's it yeah um, final thoughts from from you Jesse. Um, you know anything you want to else you want to mention, and uh, you want to just answer if this is a dad movie for you too. So like, uh, well, all right. So we have the character Rachel, and I remember it being a huge deal that Katie Holmes wasn't coming back for this movie. Yeah. Instead, Maggie Gyllenhaal was going to be her instead, and I remember hating her at first. <laughs> I hated Maggie Gyllenhaal because just like, no, this is not the Katie Holmes, not the Rachel I knew because like. You know, the Rachel from the other one felt more like, I don't know. Sweet? Yeah, she was sweet. She was just sweet. Yeah. That was her yeah. character. It was just, she's a sweet girl. Just totally different vibes here. <laughs> like, yeah, it she, doesn't feel spiky. like the same character. Yeah, she's she's like, she's much more aggressive. Like, she had some aggression in Batman Begins, but like, she didn't really do much, you know? She yeah. was, people were always getting like, offed around her, like her boss gets killed, right? Um, and she does her best, but in this one, it, she feels like, I mean, we see her at the table with Harvey. She's the assistant DA, like she's doing a lot of work, um, and running stuff down and she seemed tough, uh, in a way that Katie Holmes didn't feel tough. And I kind of yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. I, I also hated her too. Cause I did love Katie Holmes a lot more. It's cause I had a crush on her cause I was like 12. Um, but with Maggie though, over the years, as, as I've watched this, it is a different Rachel. It's a better Rachel. Yeah. yeah. Woo! Yeah. Good. Yeah. I, oh, I always thought you guys were gonna be out of my girl Maggie no, here. Man. Oh man. <laughs> no. She, she's, I, I, she seems I like Maggie she seems too. real. Yeah. Yeah. She's a character. She's a driven person who has a character. Like, there's a reason. Like, it's by her acting and and her character. It's obvious why she's with Harvey Dent. It's obvious yeah. why she's doing the job that she's doing. Like, her whole character like meshes beautifully. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's the thing that works. It's a character that works for me, like, seamlessly. And I actually kind of like that they're different actresses because in the first one, he's got this image of, of Rachel Dawes in his head. Like, that's the girl. Like, I'm in love with that girl. I'll do everything for the girl. Yeah. And then in this one, they seem so ill-matched. You know, they don't have chemistry. Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal and Christian Bale. And it seems on purpose. And I really liked that because yeah. when she's with Aaron Eckhart, you're like, yeah, those two. Those yeah. two should be yeah. together. And when she's with Christian Bale, you're like, mm. Bruce, fancy that. It's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Yeah. What do you oh, think? He buddy? makes such an ass of himself. Yes. Like when he shows up with the ballerina. Like that's just so like. It's such a dick move. It's such a dick move. It's the first time I feel like we've actually seen him be a a dick, like yeah. an actual just jerk. Because yeah. like he's done different things to like kind of like look like the playboy or whatever. 
play the role. Also, real real petty move taking those ballerinas out though too. <laughs> I kind of I kind of dug that. Yeah. But like like showing up to their like romantic dinner and being like, oh, here is my date. She's so hot. Look at her. Also, we're gonna sit with you. And like, oh, let's push the tables together. I don't think you can do that. Yes, you can. I own the restaurant. Yeah. Like, that's just, just yeah. man, what a jerk. It's a POS yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> There's this little window into, like, Bruce Wayne not being a perfect person. Yeah. I like that. Wait, wait, sorry, Letney, I think I cut you off, though. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the scene in Batman Begins that really works is when she takes Bruce into the, um, what do they call him? The Narrows? Like the Undercity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that scene really works, and I think apart from that, she's not much of a character. I also think Maggie Gyllenhaal is—I mean, she's doing more, but she's also I, I, no one doesn't really write write female characters very well. So, and I think in both movies, they're not as significant enough for me to really care that they're different actresses. I don't know. Yeah, well, she ends up being. Well, I mean, like, they're she's only the like... dead dead girlfriend wife trope, you know? She's the motivator, yeah. but yeah. But it, it's, I think it's a pretty believable, like, love triangle. And it, it, it's yeah. it's where most of the drama, it's where almost all of the emotional conflict for the movie is until the Joker um, kills her, right? Like, all the emotion of the movie is in that. And then even still, all the emotion left for Batman to deal with is with the letter. That We know the contents of the letter, right? Um, and so we're also looking at, at, at Batman with, through a more tragic lens, this, this facts that he'll never know, right? Um, so she's she's there, but like you're saying, to your point too, she's there like all Nolan female characters. She's there to sh- add depth to the men, right? That's why she's here. Um, but she does it really, really well, and I think that she is compelling by herself too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think she's compelling. I she's more compelling than like Commissioner Gordon, or like as much as I like the guy, he doesn't have much going on for him. Oh man, I was so frustrated by Gordon this time around. Like I, I was. I remember when when I watched it the first. I was like, "Oh, he's great! Like he's doing so great! Like this sucks! Like he keeps missing and stuff." But in this post-terrorism age, or mid-terrorism yeah. age, I guess I don't know. And like with you know, all the stuff that has happened over the years, it's like, man, he's making all the wrong decisions. Like, how do you leave the place alone? Like, how do you not send people here? He and wanted there? me to lock him like, up in the d- MCU. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it, I guess it's the lessons that we've learned. Um, it's actually more about the friends we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, all right. Uh, then I have to ask, uh, Jesse, is this a dad movie? Yeah, a bajillion percent. I l- yeah, I love this movie. It's, it's still my favorite action movie. It's still up there with one of my favorite movies of all time, but like firmly in the action movie category. Yeah. I really love the thrill of watching this movie still. Um, and I can't wait to pass it on to my kids again when they're older, because it's, it's scary and terrifying and has a crazy psychological element. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I want this movie to be associated with me a lot. I can't wait to show it to them. I can't wait for them to be old enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good. How about you, Lenny? Yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, just touching on what we were talking about earlier about how this movie is is uh, influenced so many things after it. I think this is one of those cases where the people who are influenced by this movie, at least a lot of them, are misinterpreting what it is. 
It's like it seems like this movie is primarily a movie about moral ambiguity. But then what people took from this is dark and gritty. So it seems like this is <laughs> this is the original, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, a lot of movies misinterpret or a lot of movies, subsequent movies misinterpret what this is and take it down the wrong path. So I think it's important to see where it started. So you guys like it when there's terrorists and murder. And we're like, no, we like the complicated moral discussion. They're like, terrorists and murder is what we heard. You're getting more. <laughs> you like compelling bad guys? All right, I guess we got to get bad guys and they got to be bad. We got to make sure they have a backstory that makes you feel bad for them, too. Because that's what we got from this movie. Yes. Yes. Backstories are so important, right? Yeah, yeah you just need to tell that backstory. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have whole movies about just the backstory before you can have Cruella. the actual movie. <laughs> yeah. This is absolutely a dad movie for me, too. Um, I feel like I've kind of like expressed downer opinions over the course of this episode, and like I just want to reiterate, this is bedrock for, for who I am as a person for how i view movies that's why we're interrogating um, it, right yeah yeah and like that i feel like this is what this movie is supposed like you're supposed to do with this movie kind of wrestle with it and be frustrated with it um it's an it was an introduction to me to like how you can use visual imagery to express like duality between characters something that i went on to realize about um i don't know but a million other things uh this this is huge. This was huge for me. I love it. I love watching it now. Um, I do think I'm going to try to like wait to see it again because it was yeah. really fun to remember and to like not remember things about mm -hmm. it. Um, and uh, I, it's it's very fun along with being like super dark and gritty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Dad movie. Yeah. It's it's a dad. It's it's a it's a four-way dad movie uh a yeah. quadrifecta and that's and, what it's called right and i think the reason that we that I, I i just wanted to really get into an honest open kind of discussion because i remember you know it was it was you couldn't say a bad thing about the dark knight when we were younger you know not that we wanted to even then but now um i guess i just get really i got so tired of just seeing everyone just saying like well obviously the best blah 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 of all time blah 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 is blah 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 dark knight and you just get so sick of seeing the poster and get just being like shoved in your face that at a certain point you just like you turn around on it you're like well let's let's talk about what's going on in here and honestly i hope listeners have enjoyed this because for us the most boring thing in the world we could have done is just gush about how much we like the movie for two hours like this is like the most boring there are so many other podcasts that you can go and listen to that just do just that and i just wanted to talk about the ideas in the movie and like let's 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 prod at it and poke okay. at it and i'm happy that it's it throw it a little chaos into it right i'm just happy <laughs> yeah. that it's ended up so well at at the other end. I feel like it's still come out really, really well. I got to say some stuff, but I also got some stuff explained to me too. And I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I think, I think next week, next week's episode is actually going to be a little more controversial, at least for some people, but I won't be around to give my take. So I'm going to give like just a brief 30 second take here. <gasps> it's definitely a dad movie. I respond. love the dark Knight rises. <laughs> <laughs> I love it a lot. I've always really liked it. It's kind of, it's really goofy, but again, I, I find this movie to be kind of goofy at times too, and full of plot holes, and I find the next one to be full of plot holes too. It's just that the tone is different, because mm. the, the, the tone from here is, it was based off of Heat. The tone for the next one is it's based off of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. yeah. 
that, that that's very that's a that's good. I'm very excited to uh, to talk about it. Well, Mike, I, <laughs> I totally agree with you. He's in, like very Absolutely open about that. <laughs> oh, cool. I, I don't like to read about things. I don't know anything. I just watch movies and talk about it. Other people talk about movies um, that they made. But I guess we do have to say here that Jesse will be off the pod for for a couple weeks. Um, and uh, we, we look forward to having him back. So thank you for doing this this episode with us, Jesse. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, uh, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Awesome. And thank you, Letney, also for being here. As always, such a pleasure. It's always so much fun. Awesome. Well, for Dr. Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Jesse. I'm Letney. Good night.